What's up, movie lovers? Welcome to episode number 20 of Ready Play Movies, your weekly source for everything that's new and exciting in the world of entertainment. Every Tuesday at 6 a.m. Pacific or 9 a.m. Eastern, we discuss the top news of the week, notable releases, what we're watching, big topics of the industry, and the movies we love. If you want to write anything to be read on the show, send us an email to readyplaymovies at gmail.com or just hit us up at Ready Play Movies on Twitter. No matter where you found us, please subscribe to the feed so you can get every new show directly to your device as soon as it posts. And if you like it, please leave us a nice review. This is May 25th, 2021. I am your host, Louis Menchaca, and I'm joined today by my co-host, Mr. Troy Bracey. Yes, yes. Good to be back. Good to be back. We got a lot of movies to talk about. Another good week. Yes, Troy. You know what? I appreciate your grind, man. You you've been that. I think was it two weeks in a row. You've been putting out YouTube videos. You just dropped a review on your YouTube channel, man. You doing the damn yeah, thing? Yeah, I appreciate that. I appreciate that. Yeah, man. I t- I'm trying to get back more consistent. You know, uh, doing you know outside personal life stuff can get in the way, but uh, you know, if you really love you know movies and what you do, you got to find time. So that's what I've been trying to do. Yeah, so I've been watching your videos, and uh, I have to I have to admit I was actually kind of in agreement with uh, with your uh, assessment on uh, uh, Army of the Dead. Oh, really? Oh, so you end up seeing it? That's good. That's good. Yeah. All right. We'll get into that here in impressions here, but before we got before we go into impressions, I just got to do, do a little bit of quick of housekeeping here. So, I, it has been brought to my attention that uh, our episodes. Uh, 18 and 19 do not show up on Apple Podcasts. I'm looking into it. I'm making sure that it's everything is getting re-verified, so that way we can get it. Uh, uh, actually, I'm not. It's not me personally doing it, but my people are taking care of it. <laughs> you know okay. who you are. <laughs> okay. Cool. Uh, cool. But for what, if you like, if you go on Apple Podcasts, you will like it'll, it. It actually just stops at episode 17. But we've been we've been uploading on uh, on time. Well, mostly on time, and uh, yeah, so. All the other podcast services like like uh, Spotify and Anchor and everything else um, shows up everything, the entire feed. But if you're on iTunes, um, sorry about that. But hopefully we can get this remedied pretty quickly. For sure. For sure. All right. So for impressions, I guess since uh, since we brought up uh, Army of the De- Ar- Army of the Dead, let's go ahead and start that one off because that's something we both watched. Um, so, OK. You said it was a guilty pleasure movie, and I actually kind of uh, agreed with your score at the end. Uh, but at the thing, the thing about it is, there were a lot of parts of that movie that I was frustrated with, and it wasn't so oh, much. Oh, really? It wasn't so much the shallow depth of field either. With the you know how you were talking about how it was out of focus yeah. or whatever. I didn't really yeah. so much mind that actually. Uh, but well, the thing is, you know how whenever like. Um, uh, when you watch like a horror movie and you're like, bitch, why are you running up them stairs? You, what the fuck? Oh, it was a lot of those moments. Yeah. Man. Godly. I was, we Sheesh. were, I was having a movie, uh, a, a movie night with my family and a bunch of us were screaming at the TV, like do this, you know, like, yeah. Oh my God. It's so bad. Like the characters, even the characters themselves didn't even follow their own logic because a lot of right. characters <laughs> were not trusting each other and they were right not yeah. to. And yet somehow, some way they're just going to let everything slide. Like what the fuck? <laughs> Yeah, man, it was some stuff going on where I was just like, these characters are stupid. <laughs> One of the things, you know, a big problem I have in movies, and, and like it really drops a grade down for, for me when I'm watching a movie, is when like directors or writers, they choose to have the character be stupid to move the plot along. <laughs> like, you can't come up with something logical 
or whatever. So it was like, uh, let's just make this character just uh, go in the hole, go in, you know, the sewer where the monster is. Let's just have him do that because we got to get the character in the sewer. You know what I mean? It's more of like a lazy thing, you know? And uh, so I, I know exactly what you mean in that situation. There, for sure. there was a, a part where like a character could have been rescued. A character who was about to die could have like spilled the beans on another character. They should have been yep. shouting shouting from the top yeah. of their lungs what was got what really happened and i was like super like we were all frustrated there was a part <laughs> towards the end of the movie where these characters were like are like prematurely celebrating and we're like bitch you need to move the fuck on and stuff because because of that shit they were like you know yeah it was so dumb it was so bad it was so bad but i mean i i had a lot of fun you know one of the things with army of the dead like that's one of those movies where i can see and and people have a valid point to like it less than I liked it. And then also they would have a valid point to like it a little bit more than I like it. Yes. And I, I would understand both ends of the spectrum, but I don't see anyone calling this like a masterpiece or one of the great <laughs> movies or no shit like that. But, but I do, I can see someone saying, uh, I watch your review and I like it a little bit more and I watch your review and I like it a little bit less. Yeah. Well, you know, yeah, I, I, I have to agree. It works both ways. It works as a bad movie that you can trash on, and it also works as a good movie that you can have fun with. Um, right, we had a, right. We, I watched it as part of like a movie night with a bunch of people, and we were all just sort of like, you know, playing off of each other and riffing on it. Uh, plus, most movies work better anyways when you, work, when, you, when you watch it with other people anyways. But um, I will say there is one part of your review that I actually like vehemently disagree with. Uh, you oh, really? said in your review that you don't think that Dave Bautista can can lead a movie by him or carry a movie on his shoulders. I think he did a, he did the damn thing, and he really? was like, you know, this is his showpiece of him being like the movie star. Like he's almost I'm not gonna say he's at, but he's 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 starting to approach that Dwayne Johnson superstar level. I mean, I could definitely see him going that direction because one thing I I forgot to say in my review is that he's getting better. If you seen when he first hit the scene he was like you know he can only do comedy but i i do think his his performance was a bit wooden but it's funny that you said that and i don't know if because dave batista is a big star and people are fans of him and they're so they're a bit like you know because like multiple people you're not the only one lewis like i had like multiple people text me matter of fact i had a friend of mine text me like earlier uh today was like man dave batista is one of the best parts of the movie what you talking about <laughs> But, like, yes. in those situations, I don't know if, like, if he was just some regular guy and you never seen him before and I said that, would you agree or disagree? Or because he's Dave Batista and you love him regardless that you kind of automatically start thinking he's doing great. But I don't know. But I, when I look at his, you know, performance, it just comes off a bit wooden. But that's just me. Okay. That's fair enough. I don't know. I think for me it works. Um, the, a lot of the melodrama scenes actually kind of – I was buying it. I was eating it up, you know. Uh, with his daughter and then that one Maria character that he was sort of having a like a, a love interest thing with and his like yeah. his like emotional tor turmoil and everything like he I was I was uh, yeah see it. me I just I don't know like for me that just wasn't executed like they the scenes were there I yes. will admit that like Zack Snyder didn't try to ignore like the character moments but I just felt like they were at random spots and I and I just didn't buy the acting not just from Dave Batista by the way the others too <laughs> yeah the others too like like one one character like if if it's two people having a, a conversation with each other and one of the characters can really act and it's like really good and one of the characters can't it could kind of save the scene you know what i mean but like when both of them are kind of not that good it's like oh this is just this is not good <laughs> but 
again, like a movie like this, you just have, enjoy yourself and have a good time with. Okay. All right. Well, then we'll go ahead and uh, I guess I'm gonna say agree to disagree, but I will say that it's uh, it it could go either way. Maybe maybe you can yeah. convince me as well. Uh, but I don't know. I just I've only seen it the one time. I've had I had my experience. I had my fun with it. But uh, I'll go ahead and we'll go ahead and move on. And I will go ahead and, and keep us on track with what I watched on Netflix. You know, Army of the Dead on Netflix. So is this other show. This was uh, on the top ten charts uh, last week, and I decided to. Uh, give it a shot uh, based off of a recommendation from another friend. It's called Love, Death, and Robots. And it turns out it's actually a, it's a really dope-ass an- anthology series. It's kind of like in the vein of Black Mirror, but like Ooh. instead of, you know, like Black Mirror, it's all like self-contained episodes. Yeah, yeah, I love it. So um, instead of that, it's a bunch of shorts. It's like the the shortest one is like five minutes long, and the longest one is like 20 minutes long. Now, are the shorts, do they add up to a whole episode, or is each episode like a short? Each episode is a short. Everything is all okay, self-contained. Okay. I think only two episodes actually have an Easter egg that like puts them in the same cinematic universe. But from what I can gather, it seems like everything yeah. is completely 100% disconnected, different universe, like no continuity, like no timeline, like Black Mirror. Black Mirror has a timeline. This one doesn't. Um, and it's also like um, different studios. They're different producers, different directors, different oh, writers. Wow. That's, hey, uh, that's unique. And, and you say that's on Netflix? Yes. Now that that's not a Netflix original, correct? Yes, it is a Netflix Netflix original, as a matter of fact. Oh, really? And so Netflix is working with different studios and stuff. Yeah, it's animated. It's an animated um, thing. It's uh, it's the the director's executive producer is David Fincher and Tim Miller. Oh yeah, I gotta watch that. Oh my god, like <laughs> David Fincher is an all-time great director, and Tim Miller is one of the best at like doing animated stuff and things like that. So, oh yeah, that 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 sounds impressive. That, yeah, I'm gonna have to check that out for sure. Yeah, each each episode was. I'll pull this up from Wikipedia, by the way. Each episode was animated by different crews from a range of countries. Uh, the series is a reimagining of Fincher and Miller's long, long in development reboot of the 1981 animated science fiction film Heavy Metal. So, yeah, that's um, cool. That, that, and a uh, quick note: they got a Star Wars show coming out that's similar to that, where it's gonna be a bunch of shorts and stuff. I'm excited about that. Yeah. So, yeah, the, this uh, this one was like it really like it's so bingeable. Okay, just because of how short it is, the average runtime is about 10 to 12 minutes per short. And each of these shorts, you know, are like, they feel like pitches to like a bigger thing. Like they're like, it's like the premise, like a majority of these are just a premise and you don't really get to see the full, like, um, uh, like fruition of where that premise could go, but you're interested. And a lot of these, uh, a lot of these, uh, anthologies are like, you know, kind of sort of, I don't know, but it's, 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 it's always a compliment when you say it leaves you wanting more, but it's like, at times it is dissatisfying because you want to see more of the world or more of where, where this, this story can go. But some of them work as a self-contained little short where you just really like nowhere to go. Like, like one of them was a, was a a time loop or whatever. So it's like those kind of works as a shorts. But for, for me, like I kind of sort of took it as like a bunch of these were like a pitch to uh, something bigger. And also the animation 
is extremely top-notch. There's a variety, and I mean like a shit ton of variety art styles from like stop uh, like stop motion animation to like anime-esque looking like Samurai Jack kind of uh, animation. And like some of them are photorealistic, like kind of like uh, back when the day when the Polar Express was like considered realistic, it's kind of, it kind of sort of gives you like that kind of vibes of like, you know, Beowulf and, um, you know, CGI that looks photorealistic to the point where you can't even tell. You would think they just sort of like shot it in front of a camera kind of thing. Um, yeah. There's just so much going on. There's so many concepts happening in this show. Um, I can, and also, by the way, the first season, uh, the first season is weird um, in the sense that, okay, the first season is 18 episodes and the second season is nine, is eight up or eight episodes. Um, but the uh, second season has an, has an order that they give you. And the first season is a, is a completely random order based off of you, like your profile. So when you log in and you watch it, it's going to present to you the, uh, the order of episodes in the, in the order Netflix thinks you will most likely want to watch it. That's cool. I didn't know Netflix does do that. Yeah, I know. So they sh it's completely shuffled and stuff like that. But at least with the second season, they actually have a here is the order. And the way they ended the second season makes sense. Um, so, yeah, I don't want to give too much away. Um, yeah, I mean, it, listen, based on what you're saying, it sounds great. You know, like I, I, I definitely those are the type of things like I'm into more creative stuff. By, and you know the people they have behind it are geniuses i know we don't do reviews on impressions but that was definitely a review <laughs> oh yeah most definitely you should totally do a review on this i would love to see your thoughts on it on your youtube channel um i would yeah, definitely sure. would recommend it it's uh you can literally just power through it in one sitting especially with how short they are and you're going to be so enticed that you're going to want to watch the next one too because of how many ideas um also the name of the show makes sense it's called love death and robots and that's kind of what the show is about so okay Okay. Yeah. Yeah, that's dope. All right. Um, next up, I uh, I watched uh, The Gin, which is a uh, horror movie. Um, it was very low budget. It's very like it's basically essentially like four actors in the entire movie. It doesn't seem like you had to pay a lot of people or, you know, or it took a long time to shoot. They look, they look like they could have shot that bitch in quarantine from the looks of it. Uh, <laughs> if I wouldn't be surprised because it takes place in, in like one apartment for the almost the entirety of the runtime. Um, what was this on? What's up? What what'd you watch this on? Oh, it's uh it's like a, a premium video on demand. You can rent it like on YouTube movies or like, you know, oh, iTunes okay. and stuff like that. It's not like I don't think it, if it did get a theatrical run, it might have been a limited run, but I think it premiered straight to uh straight to video on demand, kinda like straight to D V D Blu ray type of situation. Yeah. Uh but basically the gen is about a, a little boy who is mute. He doesn't have a voice. He can't like I guess they don't really say what happened to him, but something happened to him where he doesn't have like vocal cords and he can't uh, say anything, so he just signs. He just does sign language or everything. Um and so the boy, you know, they him him and his dad are uh, moved into an apartment and they're starting their new life there and um and apparently the previous owner had died there, so they were able to get the house uh, super cheap. And then he, the boy, fi finds a book of shadows in the closet of his new of the new apartment. And yeah, that's kind of what happens. It's like, uh, in case you don't know what what a jinn is, it's like one of those monsters that are ghosts, apparition kind of things. And uh, uh, the book of shadows uh, promises him that if he can survive one hour. Uh, by of not getting killed by the djinn, the djinn will grant him a wish. So, oh, okay. Yeah, okay. it's a horror movie. I I actually kind of liked it. It was it was very uh, very thought provoking at the end. I actually kind of appreciated uh, the ending a lot. Um, the ending 
was perfect both ways. The end, the movie had you thinking it was going to end one way, but then it ends another, and both endings were perfect. And I actually liked the first ending. They were gonna, they were gonna uh, do it, but then they had to throw a curveball just because. And uh, yeah, I don't think the movie was so much scary because I'm not really, I don't really get scared in in scary movies. Well, I'm the same way. I don't get scared, but I could respect like fiends them. and shit. Yeah. <laughs> right, right, and I could tell when something would scare someone else. You yeah. Know? Yeah, so like I, I will say like uh, I don't get scared in, in movies, but I get scared playing video games because with video games it's like oh my god you're you're the one controlling it and you're like you can die yeah you know but it's like, like it's you yeah, yeah. <laughs> but like watching a movie I don't get scared and uh, um, for me I wasn't so much scared as more I was like tense I was tense because I cared about the boy and I didn't want to see him die. Uh, yeah. so I was like, I was like tense for him and that's about it. So, um, yeah, the gin, it was all right. I don't know if it's worth like spending $8 for it. You know, I kind of wished it was like on a, on a, on a service, like a Netflix or, uh, you know, like a HBO max kind of thing, but it's, uh, it's, yeah, it's just, it is hey, it real is. quick, real quick. Just, I mean, this is kind of off topic, but it, I mean, you brought up horror games. Did you play the game, uh, the medium on the Xbox? I did not. Uh, but I know about it. Why? That's what? one you should play. That shit is scary. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I just want to throw that out there. Yeah, I don't do well with scary games, but yeah, I, I'm I, I've I've seen footage of it. So yeah, yeah. And the last thing I'm pretty sure we both watched this uh, was uh, Star Wars: The Bad Batch. And I don't really have anything much to say about this show because I feel like uh, I don't want to repeat ourselves too much. But I will say this: uh, Dave Filoni knows Star Wars, and I have never seen like something that was so quintessentially Star Wars like that. When I watched that episode, I was like, damn, he gets it. He gets the tone. He gets the vibe. He gets like, you know, everything. And I just feel like when people say, oh, like that's not Star Wars. Well, you know, that kind of stuff. Like if you want to see something that is Star Wars, you know, this episode four, I believe was episode four of the Bad Batch was very much like that perfect blend of like spaghetti Western space opera and just good story so yeah yeah i like the the i agree it, this mo this episode felt like star wars but one of the things i will say about this show is that i'm starting to feel like it's inconsistent like, what <laughs> yeah because like all right. all right like i look i look at this episode four mm -hmm. you know i look at the first episode it was amazing it was like a movie mm -hmm. you know what i'm saying it was like phenomenal then i remember the second episode it was subpar yeah. it wasn't bad it wasn't bad but it, it was a huge drop compared to the to the first episode then you go to the third episode that shit is almost just as good as the first episode yes. other than the fact that it's not as long right. like it was it, it was dark it was like surprises happening it, it, the animation was great i mean it was fantastic then you go to this fourth episode and again it wasn't bad or it wasn't like terrible at all like i liked the episode but at the same time it just fell in comparison to the last episode in the first episode and so i hope it's not like throughout this series or you know amazing and episode yeah. and then just okay episode amazing episode and just okay episode like i hope they could hold that you know what i'm saying like if you're gonna make have an episode that's fantastic you gotta live up to that episode every time or the or the next episode just gonna feel like a disappointment like this episode felt like a disappointment not because it was bad but because it's following up the last episode you know <laughs> and uh and i just hope they could just keep that level of you know intensity and darkness and you know, you know what it was though in the first uh, first episode and the third episode had crosshair 
the second yeah, episode and yeah. the fourth episode. That, I mean that, and that has a lot to do with it. You know, that has a lot to do with it because Crosshair not only is a badass, but it you know it plays both he gets, ways. He so. gets that dark stuff, the like the dark yeah. edge stuff in there. Yeah, um, you know it's actually kind of funny. Is like this, there was a little shade of that dark stuff because there was a whole ass parade in this episode of them welcoming the Empire, and you could see like normal everyday citizens are welcoming the new regime change kind of thing. And, that's- and really that, that little part right there really made me like the episode way more like that little part, because like anytime it's world where you have world building or should I say galaxy building in, in the star Wars stuff, like it makes it better. Like, cause you know, it reminds you where this is taking place in the star Wars, you know, world or in the star Wars universe. And uh, so that right there was like, wow, because if you think about it, we've never seen that before. Yeah. In the history of Star Wars, we never seen people actually celebrating the end of the war and picking their side on who to be happy for, or who to be mad or like what team you're on or whatever. The Changing case may their be. currency over. Uh, right. Basically, before everybody getting a social before, security number, whatever they called it. A, they called it. Yeah. Something. Like and, and it was before everybody knew that this was going to end up being the empire. You see what I'm saying? Like no one really knew that this was like going to turn into the galactic empire that's going to control and kill everybody in in the universe like no one thought of that like it was like the beginning of a hitler kind of thing they just was like okay this this who I, from a you know uh from a republican or type for from that type of situation to just you know like from starting off as just you know you rooting for whoever side you on to it turning into the empire like it's so cool to see that early them early years like that yeah yeah, of course. Yeah. Like I said, I, I'm like, I'm not as, I'm not as harsh on you on this one. I feel like, I feel like this one, I mean, yes, I will agree that I think it may not be as good as the third episode, but I think it's still better than the second episode. I don't, yeah, and I the don't cross, think it's a and the crossover, the crossover character in this show was phenomenal. Oh yeah. It was Finnick, so, yeah. so dope. Finnick. Yeah. That was so dope. Oh uh, yeah. Okay. All right. So that's the bad batch there. And those are the four things that I and, and Troy with, we both watched. Oh and, yeah. Uh, and I want to talk about a uh, spiral. I was, I, yes. spiral. I was about to hit, I was about to pass it over to you. There was one thing that you watched that I didn't. So go ahead and take it over. Yeah. I went to the theaters and checked out the new, uh, saw spinoff movie, uh, spiral from the book of saw starring Chris rock. And, uh, <laughs> The thing is, <clears throat> the movie's funny when Chris Rock is saying funny shit. Like, I ain't gonna even lie. Like, it sounds like Chris Rock doing, you know, his stand-up at certain parts. But by any means, it's not trying to be like a comedy. But Chris Rock being in it, you know, you can tell that he wrote some. Because I learned that he's a writer as well. Like, at the end, it said written by Chris Rock. So, you could tell the stuff he wrote and the stuff that the other people wrote. But it was all right. You know, I think if you're a Saw fan, you're going to love it because it does everything that you would expect from a Saw movie. And it's directed by the same guy that directed the second and third Saw movie. So, you know, uh, you, you have your scares, you have your gore, you know, you have, you know, your humor for the first time. It's never really been humor in Saw. So you have that. And uh, yeah, so I think it's it's all right. It's not, you know, for me, I don't think it's great, but I don't think it's bad either. And I would suggest someone to go see it in theaters. Okay. Okay, that's interesting. I actually I heard a bad review about it. I heard multiple bad reviews about it, saying that it it does it it plays to neither crowd. It wants to be like Seven, and it also wants to be like the Saw movies before it. But it it does well, both I, badly. It doesn't do either justice. Well, see, I, that's why I disagree. I think it does do that. It plays the Seven and it plays the Saw. But to me, 
that is a good thing. Like, that's the cool thing about it. It's like a mystery, and then, you know, you get your saw gore, and then it's a mystery, whatever. And, like, that's pretty cool. But the movie... It, I wouldn't disagree with no one that says this movie is a bad movie. I'll just say that. Like, anyone that says this movie is a bad movie, I agree with you. But I also don't think it's like a dumpster fire. Like, I don't <laughs> think it's like, oh, my God, what did I just watch? And I actually think fan, it's weird because in the theater, like, coming out the theater, I heard someone say, man, this movie fucking sucks. What what were they thinking or something like that, right? Yeah. And I also heard, like, uh, the, at around the same time, why would someone think this movie suck? It was so good. Like, so it goes to show, like, you know, it's, it's going to have a difference of opinions. You know, this is one of those movies where, like, some people clapped. No joke. In the theater, some people clapped. So it's one of those movies where, you know, it's, it's going to be polarizing, you know. But I think, uh, I think I, I'm not leaning too far from any – you know choice of way you look at this movie okay all right that's fair enough all right that's uh so that's impressions right there so we'll go ahead and move on to the news we interrupt this program to bring you a special report i gotta tell you this right now troy we got some juicy juicy controversial uh, like news just sandwiched in here like we Uh-oh. all we gonna talk i like I, I don't know why but it just sort of wants to like controversial ass shit wants to pop up here so <laughs> We're going to go ahead and kick things off here with the first story. This comes from Variety, and it says here that Kevin Spacey has landed his first film role um, following his sexual assault allegations. And it's been four years since he's done anything, and so now he's going to make his return to acting. So it says here, Kevin Spacey is set to make his return to acting in an Italian film directed by Franco Nero. Variety has confirmed. Luis Nero, the producer of Franco Nero's upcoming low-budget indie, uh, I don't know how to pronounce that, Leomo Che Desengo Dio, whatever, that's an Italian-ass title right there, um, confirmed to Variety that Spacey is on board to make a cameo in the film. According to Luis Nero, Spacey would feature in a small role as a police detective. Franco Nero is set to star as the main character. This casting will mark the disgraced actor's first film role following multiple sexual assault and misconduct allegations that were brought forth against him in the beginning, uh, uh, brought forth against him beginning in late 2017. ABC News reported that Spacey's casting on May 22nd, also writing that the film will star Vanessa Redgrave, Franco Nero's wife. Louis Nero confirmed to Variety that Redgrave will appear in the film if she can travel from England to Italy, but she would only make a small cameo as the piano teacher of Franco Nero's character. So basically, it's an Italian movie. It's probably like in a, it may or may not necessarily come stateside, but basically, for whatever reason, I guess Kevin Spacey knows the guy, and he's going to be in a cameo role for this movie. So number one, Troy, I got to ask you, is this, uh, does he deserve this this, uh, acting gig? And two, what are your thoughts on, on in general about Kevin Spacey even just returning to acting? Uh, no, I don't feel like he deserves it. Uh, but I mean, I figured that would be the case. Like for him to come back, it gotta be someone he knows. And it's probably some foreign film where like it has nothing really to do with Hollywood too much. You know what I mean? And, but, and it checks and it happens to check both those lists. Like it's someone he knows. So like someone doing him a favor and it's a foreign film. And so like a lot of people probably won't even see it, but I can't like imagine anyone hiring Kevin Spacey to be back in their movies. And in terms of like, listen, like 
I prefer him not to work again. I don't want to see Kevin Spacey again, you know, because he's one of them guys where I felt like it was somewhat proven uh, more than just allegate, just allegations, you know, especially like with the creepy videos he put out after the fact. And instead of putting out videos of him apologizing or him saying it's not true or something like that, he put out like these weird, creepy videos, almost like to scare you in a movie. It's almost like he's admitting that it was true in a way like so I, me personally, I feel like he shouldn't come back. But at the same time, I probably wouldn't condemn someone if they were to bring them back because, like, we can't be hypocrites when we say, like, we want this whole Me Too thing to, to like, or not the whole Me Too, I'm sorry, but this whole... Cancel culture. Uh, yeah, cancel culture. You know, we want this whole cancel culture thing to end, but then at the same time, we're not willing to forgive certain specific things. But certain things I feel like isn't, for like, you should never come back. Like, you, you should be banned for eternity you know if if it's proven or if you're like harvey weinstein and situations like that like there's certain stuff where you don't have the right to ever come back again and uh that's how i feel about kevin spacey in this situation so but i mean we'll see i i mean and then on top of that it's a cameo role so i i, I doubt you know he's gonna have even have a big part in this movie yeah i'm very skeptical of uh whether or not um Kevin Spacey will even, you know, be like in anything, like headlining anything, or you want to market yourself or market or, or do a, a marketing blitz with like Kevin Spacey's name and face on a poster or on a trailer or, you know, you know what I mean? Like, so I, I don't know, like I, I'm, I'm very like, um, I'm very mixed on this as well. Um, like I, I don't like to, you know, tell somebody that, you know, be gone forever and never come back and you have no path to redemption, you know, like that's right. not a, that's not a philosophy I, I want to live by because if that were a philosophy that we truly live by, Robert Downey Jr. wouldn't be Iron Man. Right. So, exactly. Um, with that being said, um, yeah, this one's hard. This one's hard. It's like he's never been like it's never been like an official court case or some kind of civil lawsuit or something that where he was found guilty. So this one's like right. uh, a little bit of a hard one. But I'm just gonna say that I have mixed emotions and I don't know how to feel about it. Um, yeah, that's all I got. That's all I want to say on this on this particular subject. Now, whether or not he deserves it, probably nepotism from what you were uh, from what we were kind of gathering. So he probably doesn't deserve it. But whatever, he he is Kevin Spacey. So yeah. Uh, with that being said, um, we're going to go ahead and move on to the next story. And this one's a bit of a rumor, but uh, I got this uh, article from Collider, and this was actually written seven days ago. At the time, uh, multiple sources, including Collider, were reporting that this to be a true story. Like, you know, but at this point, I'm sort of going to put it in rumor, uh, and I'll explain it after we read the story. Um, this comes from Collider, and it says here that Dune will debut in theaters exclusively as HBO Max decision is reversed. Uh, if you're not given up on theaters, you'll have to wait 45 days before the uh, spice starts flowing on the streamer. Uh, uh, Denis, Denis Villeneuve's Dune movie will debut only in theaters as Warner Media has reversed its day and date decision regarding HBO Max and that particular big budget title. Deadline reports that sci-fi movie will premiere at the Venice Film Festival in September ahead of an exclusive theatrical release on October 1st. Warner Brothers has already reached a deal with Regal Cinemas to restore a 45-day theatrical window in 2022 before titles begin streaming on HBO Max. 
Dune will now fall under that arrangement and will likely be uh, WB's only 2021 movie to do so with late 2021 awards contenders like Will Smith's King Richard and Clint Eastwood's Cry Macho still expected to premiere simultaneously in theaters and on HBO Max. So I'm going to stop the article there uh, because that's pretty, that's pretty much the whole story. Uh, so um, basically, Deadline wrote, wrote, a, uh, wrote a whole ass article and buried it in there within like five, six paragraphs. And it was like sort of off mention. And that's what this story is about. It's like, oh, yeah, by the way, it's going to be exclusive. And no one's like running that headline, by the way. And so basically, uh, a bunch of sources within Deadline have like confirmed this or whatever. And it's kind of like anonymous sources. And since it's not officially like said like by Warner Brothers or by anybody in the PR saying, oh yeah, it's exclusive to theaters, right now it's gonna be classified under rumors, but apparently um, uh, a lot of uh, these outlets are, are like are, are getting comments from Warner Brothers and a bunch of people who are, who are going uh, uh, off the record are saying that it's still up in the air and that hasn't been official yet. They, they still don't know. So yeah, so Troy, I wanna go ahead and kick it off to you here. What are your thoughts on whether or not this will be an exclusive theatrical movie? What are your what are your betting on? If you're a betting man, is it going to be dual release or exclusive release? I, if I was a betting man, I'll bet that it'll be an exclusive release. And if that is the case and it's true, it's one of the smarter moves Warner Brothers has done in a long in a while now. Um mainly for a couple of reasons. Dune, you know, Dune is going to be a hit. Like if you just look at like the views it did, it broke records. You know what I mean? And this is Dune isn't like a huge, like a big known remake name. You know what I'm saying? It technically is a remake, but don't a lot of people don't know of Dune. You know what I mean? And for it to be like the views that it did, you know, it, it beat Batman views for Christ's sakes. Like, you know, it, it, it's gonna be like a a, a sci-fi hit. And um, to to you know downgrade it to HBO Max, like it coming to HBO Max, they could potentially lose box office money. And especially by the time Dune comes out, it's even going to be further away from the whole pandemic thing. You know, you already getting people back in theaters. If you go to the theater, you're gonna watch a bunch of the previews. Say you know only in theaters, only in theaters, mainly because you know people that you know these studios are starting to see people are starting to get back comfortable to the normal life. And so I would, if I was them, put it out in theaters exclusively. And not only that, you know, Dennis, Villene Dennis Villeneuve, the director, he's a big time director. You don't want to piss him off. He was pissed when this first was announced. And you don't want to leave, you don't want to break a relationship up with a guy that could potentially be the next Christopher Nolan and bring you multiple hits in the future. You know, he's going to take that shit to another studio after, you know, what happened in this situation if he's unpleased. So, Personally, I believe it's true. I believe it's going to, you know, go exclusively to theaters. And, you know, this is deadline. It ain't like this is one some normal, some weird ass, you know, article written by someone we have no clue. It's deadline. And things come out from deadline and the Hollywood reporter. It's certain stuff you can believe. Now, it, I'm not saying it's necessary. I'm not saying it's a fact and it's true, but I'm just saying, like, it's a higher chance, in my opinion. Okay. All right. Yeah, I'm a little bit mixed as well on this one because, uh, you know, there's been a lot of sources, like especially uh, one of them said like the uh, people, it's kind of interesting how all these people who are like work at Warner Brothers, they want to say just, all right, I'm going to tell you this, but leave my name out of it. All right. Like that's how <laughs> insane this whole situation is where like no people who, who do know are still saying it was like, oh yeah, like it's totally up in the air. We don't know yet. You know, like that's so funny that, you know, we're like what? 
uh, was it like four months away, five months away from from release, and yeah. it's still like uh, still being decided. Of course, you know there were like lawsuits and everything happening, you know, because of like the legendary uh, pictures and everything like that. With the yeah, whole- but uh, and also, you know, it, it would make sense that they're still trying to decide because you like 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 you just mentioned the lawsuits you know what i'm saying they have to every single movie that comes out on hbo max they have to deal with that you know some way or another like even if it's not hitting the mainstream media they have to deal with promises and and deals that they signed about percentages and things like that they have to deal with that each single and every single movie that drops you know and they're just deciding to do that but with dune i'm sure that's gonna be a huge situation they're gonna have to deal with kind of like king kong versus godzilla or godzilla versus kong like that was a huge situation where they almost had to go to court and they had to work things out and decide on like a hundred million dollar deal or something like that you know, Dune will be that same kind of situation. It's a huge blockbuster spectacle, you know, sci-fi movie. You know what I mean? So I don't know if they're willing to do all that. And I think it'll just be easier to just say, hey, let's put it out in theaters. And they still have time. If they are still deciding, they still have time. It ain't like this movie's coming out in the next two months. You know what I'm saying? I mean, remember Godzilla's trailer came out like a month before the movie did. That's so, true. You know, they have time. Yeah, that's true. Uh, so yeah, we'll we'll see. Um, you know, yeah, I don't want to take that bet either. If I'm a betting man, I'm not betting on either because I feel like it's fifty fifty at this point. I, I can see it going either way. Uh, the fact that even Warner Brothers doesn't even know is also just sort of like it's like a tug of war. It's a push and pull going on in there. So yeah. All right, let's go ahead and move on to the next story. And this one comes from CNBC, and it says here that Amazon nears a deal to buy MGM Studios for nearly. Nine billion dollars. God damn, that's like that's like Austin Powers type of like Doctor Evil. Yeah. Put your finger on. Your that's exactly mouth why type. I said it that way. Yeah. Uh, Amazon is close to a deal to buy MGM Studios between eight point five billion and nine billion. Sources say it would be Amazon's biggest acquisition since it bought Whole Foods in twenty seventeen for thirteen point seven billion dollars. Holy shit. <laughs> a transaction could be announced as soon as Tuesday, which is tomorrow or the day this episode drops, uh, sources say. Uh, Amazon is nearing a deal to acquire MGM Studios, the co-owner of James of the James Bond franchise and the other films and TV series and other films and TV series for an estimated total of 8.5 to $9 billion, according to people that are familiar with the matter. The deal is expected to be announced as soon as Tuesday. The people asked not to be named because the talks are private. It would be the biggest acquisition. I already read that. Uh, the Wall Street Journal reported earlier that the deal could be announced this, this week. Amazon is interested in acquiring more TV and film content for its prime video services as it competes with Netflix, Disney, and other streaming uh, video services. MGM is a natural fit for any streaming service because it has a plethora of content. MGM, which is a private company, has been uh, seeking a buyer for several years. MGM owns a number of famed movie and TV franchises, including Rocky, Legally Blonde, The Pink Panther, Stargate. It also owns a studio which has made more current hit TV shows, including The Handmaid's Tale and Fargo. MGM owns a number of popular reality TV shows, including Shark Tank, Survivor, The Real Housewives series, and The Voice. MGM also owns Epics, which is a premium pay TV service pay TV service valued at 
$1.3 billion in 2017. MGM and Amazon representatives weren't immediately available to comment. So yeah, uh, that's really interesting that, um, you know, MGM actually owns reality shows. I didn't even know that, you know. I've only known MGM as like the the, co the company that has that lion and the, that, when that, that roars and stuff whenever you, a certain movie starts and stuff like that. So, I mean, I would say like Shark Tank, Survivor, The Voice, those are like good ass shows to put on Amazon Prime Video and they're kind of sort of like stay like immortalized as far as like you can watch them anytime and just sort of put them on in the background while you're doing something else so i can imagine amazon would like that for its amazon prime video so yeah uh troy do you think that nine billion dollars is uh is just the right price or does that or is it asking too much i think i think they should go with that that's a steal i mean listen almost for james bond alone you know what I'm saying? They co-own James Bond, the rights to Bond, and that can get you some billions right there. You know what I mean? Like, and not including like like classics they got, like Gone with the Wind. And really, nine billion is almost a steal. MGM. I don't really know why no one else jumped on MGM. Like, cause I've heard about how they've been trying to get a buyer for them. And I would have thought like Netflix or one of the H or HBO or someone would have bought them, you know, bought them out. And like, especially to me, nine billion. Think about it. Star Wars itself got sold for what, like four or five billion. You yeah. know what I'm saying? And it's definitely worth it. That's a huge deal. That's a huge deal for, you know, um, Disney. But I'm just saying like MGM with all this different content, including shows and movies and things like that, like and trying to compete, you got to spend money to make money. And uh, I think it, it's definitely worth it. I think Amazon is doing a, a good deal here yeah. trying to get MGM. Yeah, uh, Catalog TV, man. Catalog is always where it's at, especially like when you think about what Disney Plus and how it launched, it only launched with Catalog. It didn't have anything new except for one show, which was The Mandalorian. Um, really, like it was bolstered by how much back catalog you can have. Um, and the fact that MGM, I feel like, I don't know, one of the things about MGM is I feel like it's been... I feel like MGM is past its prime as far as its heyday. I feel like its heyday was in the 80s and the 90s and stuff like that. Because, like, I mean, franchises like Rocky and Legally Blonde and Pink Panther, they're not exactly, like, you know... Well, you got to think, like, Rocky, you got to think, like, Creed. Rocky is Creed yeah, now, yeah. and Creed will end up being, what, a huge hit. Like, as long as you have the, the content, you could do, like, Bond, right? Like, Bond, you know, they, if they just think they reboot Bond in the future, and that'd be a huge hit, you know what I'm saying? Think if they ever do a... a um, you know, a reboot of Gone with the Wind or some shit. I'm not saying that I want them to do that. That's a classic. But I'm just saying, like, as long as you have that, you know what I'm saying? Like, it don't, you could always start momentum out of, out of anything. And it's a lot of different stuff, especially the television shows alone. Like you said, that, that can be worth it. You know what I mean? So I agree with what you're saying. Like MGM was at the height of their, you know, back in the nineties, that's when they were doing big things, but it's definitely still worth it. Yeah. Okay. Um, one thing that I was going to mention, and this is not in the article, um, this was like something in part of a second article on Variety that I was, I didn't have it included here, but I'll just sort of TLDR it. But basically it said in that article that uh, MGM, they, even, uh, it, they are only like half of the owners of the Bond franchise uh, with uh, people were saying in Variety was saying that it could be worth more like five to six billion is what the asking price should be because when it comes to Bond, uh, MGM doesn't get 
all the money. It gets half of the money goes to like the 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 family that created the bond. I forgot the name of that company that that's under their supervision. But basically, the uh, they're like the shepherds of the the bond franchise. So they don't they can't do anything without their say so. And also half of the proceeds, half of the profits go to them too. And on top of that, like even if they were to sell off to like Amazon, Amazon couldn't just create a bond TV show without their you know, without them either A, approving it or B, overseeing it, you know, from a creative perspective. So uh, it's just another little, um, you know, uh, hoop that you have to jump through uh, when it comes to making Bond stuff. But either way, it's still ha owning half of a big ass billion dollar franchise like Bond is better than not owning it at all. So, yeah. Yeah, because like, like when they do decide, if whoever does decide to do a Bond, it's going to be a hit, whether they want to do it or not. You know, or whether it's their idea or someone else's, a hit is a hit. You know what I mean? And I'd rather get half, like you said, half of a, a huge franchise than none of it at all. Yeah. So we'll go ahead and move on. And this is a bit of an addendum to a story we've been covering for the past couple of weeks. Uh, the Hollywood Foreign Press uh, Association, they released a new code of conduct that was reforming how the Golden Globes organization works. Uh, this comes from Variety, and it says here that... The board of uh, Hollywood Foreign Press Association released a statement on Friday afternoon outlining its most recent uh, moves to reform the organization. Uh, quote, as we've said before, we are dedicated to transformational reform and are implementing changes as quickly as possible without sacrificing the integrity of the process. In the, in the spirit of transparency and accountability, we intend to regularly update the industry and the public on our progress with our timeline with more details to come in the coming weeks, close quote. On May 20th, uh, the Hollywood Foreign Press Association members approved a new code of professional and ethical conduct. Quote, we want to be clear that a fundamental pillar of our reform plan is accountability. The Hollywood Foreign Press Association condemns any and all forms of harassment, discrimination, and abuse. Such behavior is unacceptable and disciplinary action will be taken for violations of our new code. All members, both new and old, will be expected to follow this new code of conduct and will be held accountable if they do not. We have been troubled by reports that certain members have engaged in unacceptable behavior in the past, and we are deeply committed to ensuring that it does not happen again and that interactions with the Hollywood Foreign Press Association and its members embody mutual respect. Our new code of conduct and the policies that will be released in the coming weeks are designed to achieve that fundamental and necessary objective. Close quote. So, Troy... What are your thoughts on this new code of conduct? And uh, does Tom Cruise want to get his uh, Golden Globes back now? No, nah, see, this make them look bad. You know, <laughs> this this not nah, real talk because everything they said is common sense. That should have been in the code of conduct since code of conduct was even created. Like, what do you mean? Like, like as if like to me, it just seemed like damage control. Like, <laughs> put out a statement saying that we we care about this and we did. It's like. What that should have been that that's 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 human nature to be to treat people the right way. And if that wasn't in a part of your code of conduct from the jump, then what was your code of conduct already? You see what I'm saying? So like this doesn't make them like oh wow man they're, uh, they're good now. I, I'm glad they did. No hell no. Like that should have been a part of it. That's like me saying all right you know now we're gonna make sure we start I start treating people kind. I'm gonna start uh, making sure I talk to people the right way and I'm not gonna call them a bitch like. What I should have already been <laughs> that way, you know what I mean? So 
Yeah, yeah, no, this this makes them actually look worse. They should have anything put something out that, you know, saying that they apologize that they didn't do anything the right way and we're going to work harder to do it better or something like that. Don't try to change it and change the narrative. <laughs> oh, my God, you're a trip. That's an interesting take right there. I mean, honestly, yeah, I, I kind of sort of agree with you on that one. Uh, but I wasn't that wasn't my knee jerk reaction. My knee jerk reaction was like, oh, OK, they're just they're just trying to make amends so that way they can get back on NBC's good graces to get back on the telecast or whatever. Um, so, yeah, I mean, one thing uh, one thing is for sure. I mean, even based on the article and based on what NBC said before prior to that is that no matter what changes the Golden Globes is doing they're not going to go on air on NBC this coming uh, 2022 award oh, no. season. Uh, they, they have made no, like, they made that publicly clear. They will renegotiate for 2023, but for the whole last year, you know, they're on the outs. So I wonder if they're trying to, like, make amends and get on the good graces so that way they can go to ABC or go to Fox or somebody, you know? Um, I don't know. I mean, this is, uh, either way, I will say, as far as changes and organizations go and, you know, it's always a good idea to start, you know, repairing yourself, not just, you know, internally, but also with the public. And I feel like this is going to be more good than bad. I mean, you're, you're going to take your hits, but you're right. It does make them look bad because you are just sort of outing yourself and be like, yeah, we're going to not do any more like preferential treatment anymore. So, you know, we're all good now. Right. You know, like, so, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so uh, yeah, it's, it, it's, it's, it's kind of funny though. You're right. Uh, let's go ahead and move on to the final big news story of the day. Another controversial, because we, we like, I like, I like these juicy controversy ones. All right. <laughs> so this is going to be a bit of a, a, a new, it's new story because, you know, this is something Kevin Feige said this week, but it's an old story because there was a whole controversy back in like 2015 when this uh, casting was announced, but we're going to revisit it now. It says here on from the headline that, from Variety, it says, Kevin Feige admits Marvel shouldn't have whitewashed Tilda Swinton's uh, Doctor Strange character, a.k.a. the, H the Ancient One. Uh, Marvel's film uh, Doctor Strange courted some controversy when it cast actor actress uh, Tilda Swinton, a white woman, in the role of the Ancient One, who is typically portrayed in comics as an Asian man, specifically Tibetan, by the way. Uh, Marvel Studios defended the casting leading up to the release, but now President Kevin Feige has addressed the controversy and admitted the company could have handled it differently. In 2016, Marvel Studios released a statement about Swinton's casting, saying, quote, Marvel has a very good, strong record of diversity in its casting of films and regularly departs from stereotypes and source material to bring its MCU to life. The Ancient One is a title that is not exclusively held by any one character, but rather a moniker passed down through time. And in this particular film, the embodiment is Celtic. We are very proud to have uh, enormously talented uh, Tilda Swinton portray this unique and complex character alongside our richly diverse cast. On Wednesday, Feige spoke to Men's Health for a cover story on the upcoming Asian-led Marvel film Shang-Chi and the Le Legend of the Ten Rings, saying uh, Doctor Strange could have cast an Asian actor. Quote, we thought we were being uh, so smart and so cutting edge, he said. We're not going to do a cliche of the old of the wizened old uh, wise man, but it was a wake-up call to say, well, wait a minute, is there... Is there any other way uh, to figure it out? Is there any other way to, to both not fall into the cliche and cast an Asian actor 
And the answer to that, of course, is yes. So, yeah. Troy, what are your thoughts on uh, what Kevin Feige just said about this, about him sort of going back and changing his words? And two, do you think that they were in the right to cast Tilda Swinton in the first place? Nah, I think, you know, Kevin Feige was kind of on some bullshit. Like, because it's like, <laughs> come on, man. That that movie came out so long ago, you just now bringing that back up? Like, you, 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 you're a little late there, sir. But one thing I will say about Kevin Feige, though, you can't say nothing about Feige. Because if you look at Shang-Chi that just came out, or that's about to come out, everyone is cast in the right uh, role. You know what I'm saying? You you have the right race in that's supposed to play those characters. They're not doing none of that with none of it. You know, everybody in the movie seems like the right um, the right race. You know, and uh, same thing, you look at Black Panther. There's two white guys in the entire movie. You know, and uh, there's some studios that would never do that. That's the honest truth. You know, like every studio know they got to have a black person in the movie. So, you know, you usually have like one or two black person people or one or two Hispanic people. But usually the, the cast is going to be filled with white people or they're going to find some way to shoehorn a bunch of white people in there. But Marvel, you know, they, they stood they stood up, you know, and they, they did what was right. And, they you know, you look at Black Panther and everyone in the movie's black and uh, you're just not used to seeing that not only in comic book movies but in films in general and unless it's like a movie about africa or something like that you know but uh so you know yeah you can't you know he he did he made a mistake i believe by doing that you know but uh he definitely made up for it in multiple ways you know and uh marvel has always been diverse in general you know, with with all of their casting, so you can't really blame Kevin Feige. You can't. You got to give him a pass. See, I'm gonna sort of disagree with you on this one. I actually want to blame Ooh. Kevin Feige on this one, okay? Because he's not being honest, okay? First off, his wording is about we thought we were being so smart, so cutting edge. Oh yeah, by by gender swapping and race swapping, you, that's what you're gonna call it, smart and cutting edge, okay? First off, <laughs> no, you're, you're, you're that's just no. Secondly. Um, he's not being honest and like being forthcoming with the true reason why she was even like race swapped in the first place. And that's because the character, as I said earlier, uh, not, that's not mentioned in the article, uh, is the character is supposed to be Tibetan. And part of the reason is that Marvel Studios and Disney, they like to appease China. They like to make move, mo- so much money in the box office comes from China now, yeah. as far as they yeah. are now like the global leader in box office ticket sales yeah. to the point where you can't have uh, that character be Tibetan because if they were, then China wouldn't allow it. And then you'd be missing out on hundreds of millions, if not a billion dollars there. So yeah. I feel like they're just, Disney, an American company is sort of bowing at the, at the the throne that is China, and I'm not for it. I I really do think they should have just stuck to their guns and and did what the source material did because you know that's that's the but, right thing to do. Play to your but American here's audience. the thing. I agree with you, Lewis. That's a good point. But one thing that they did. What did what is a story that we just talked about recently? What's up about about Chang Chi and China? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know what I'm saying? And so all you can do is make up for all you can do is make up for your bullshit. And and uh, and I feel like that's what they've done since then. You know, if they were still trying to pull that off and cast Changi a completely different, you know, race and made it a completely different culture, then, you know, yeah, you know, like you, you, you say that's that's bullshit. But 
you know, one mistake, and and I and that's one thing. Like I agree with you, it is a mistake. They pulled some bullshit, and that's a good point that you bring up. They're trying to like change and like hide the real reason why they did it. But at the end of the day, like they're doing Chang Chi, and you know, we were just talking about how that that how that might, movie might not make no money in China, and that's a big blockbuster movie in general. Like it needs to play in China more than anything. So, uh. So that you know, I do just feel like you know Marvel as a whole have done the right thing, even though they did the wrong thing there for sure. They definitely did the wrong thing. Okay, I guess that's that's true. I guess I guess it is, that is one way to make a to make up to make amends. Basically, I will say yeah. Um, but yeah, so we'll 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 continue to follow this uh, story as well. Uh, I'm sure that this not going to be something that's going to be easily. Uh, you know, like swept under the rug at this point. It's going to continue to be debated, I'd imagine. So we'll, we'll also continue. I'll also continue to call out any kind of bullshit where, like, oh yeah, Disney's only doing this for China kind of shit. So I'm not a for sure. That's what that's our job. I'm not a fan. <laughs> I'm not a fan of when like uh, you know movies like Independence Day Resurgence does blatant ass scenes that appeases China. You know, or uh, what was that movie uh, played by Scarlett Johansson? Um... Oh, uh, you're talking about that one anime movie? Um, that anime, yeah. And they cast her instead of the uh, and, uh, like it's dang it, what is it's like right at the tip of my tongue. But uh, shell, some ghost in ghost the shell, shell yeah. yeah, yeah. That that was some straight bullshit right there. Yeah, exactly. That's yeah. We'll continue to talk about that. That's 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 gonna be something that Hollywood is still contending with, even though Hollywood tries to pretend to be there. They try to be ah. They try to pretend to be woke, is what I was going to say. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's go ahead and move on to the extra news. And we've got another 12 headlines to talk about. Some of these could have been top news in their own right. So we'll get into it right now. Number one, Henry Cavill is in negotiations to star in a new Highlander reboot from Lionsgate. Number two, AT&T sold Warner Brothers in part because of the same-day HBO uh, Max release. Number three, Timothy Chalamet is um, cast to play a young Willy Wonka in a Warner Brothers movie. Uh, by the way, we actually talked about it uh, uh, towards the beginning of the podcast where he's we saying it was a rumor and he was one of the actors like being like talked about. So now it's official. Number four, Batgirl movie moves forward with Bad Boys for Life directors. Number five, an Injustice animated movie is officially greenlit. Number six, Aquaman 2 to start production in six weeks. Number seven, this is the only story that I didn't get a source from because there's nobody reporting on it, but I checked myself personally uh, and I couldn't find it. Disney pulled The Lone Ranger from Disney Plus mere weeks after debuting on the streaming service. I checked, I pulled up my phone, I went to Disney Plus, I typed in the search bar and The Lone Ranger did not come up. So there you go. Number eight, Lindsay Lohan returns to acting in a yet-to-be-titled Netflix holiday romantic comedy. Number nine, Universal sequel to The Boss Baby will premiere on Peacock the same day it launches in theaters on July 2nd, and it is, and it is titled The Boss Baby Family Business. Number 10, Dwayne Johnson has been cast in the Warner Brothers movie DC League of Super Pets, and he will voice the role of Crypto the Superdog. The animated DC film is slated to release in theaters on May 20th, 2022. Number 11, China box office report, Fast 9 made $137 million on its opening weekend, which is a figure worth 83% of the total Chinese box office for that weekend. And finally, number 12, 
Leslie Odom Jr. joins Knives Out 2 cast. Basically, I'm pretty sure we're going to be talking about Knives Out casting for like a long time. So he's the latest in that uh, line of actors. So Troy, we have a lot of stories to choose from. What do you want to talk about? Uh, well, I have a, I kind of have more of a question. ATM sold Warner Brother in part because the same because of the same day HBO released. Like, I'm I'm trying to understand that. Like, is it because they, you know, they had to? I I don't really get that. Basically, like, the understand. HBO Max, uh, you know, like the experiment of launching movies yeah. on in theaters and on HBO Max simultaneously. It was such a shit show that. Uh, because of that, it, that was one of the contributing reasons that AT&T decided to sell off Warner Brothers or Warner Media. Oh, okay, okay. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, that was a shit so <laughs> I will say that. I mean, Henry Cavill um, trying to be in the Highlander reboot. I mean, listen, I think Henry Cavill is going for star status. Every movie he's, like, in negotiations for or talks to be in, it's always something big. He never goes for, like, a good, you know, just a academy type of uh movie or something like that he always going you know like he was you know talked about to be in james bond you know uh they was remember the negotiations that came out that he might be coming back as superman in like a multiple films uh you know he was in the mission and pot the latest mission impossible movie like you could tell he's going for superstar status he haven't quite hit it yet i mean yeah kind of with superman superman put him on the map but I don't I don't think that was the movie that turned him into a, you know, uh A-list superstar yet. Okay. So, you know, I, we'll see how that goes. Timothy Elephant as uh the uh young Willie Walker. I really like this idea because Timothy is w- w- really one of the best young actors working today. And he looks exactly like Willie Wonka. I'm not even gonna <laughs> lie. And I'm not gonna I'm not gonna lie, that's an interesting way to go. Like a young Willie Wonka, that was that's something I, you know, wouldn't think of. You know what I mean? So I'm kinda interested in that. I've always been a fan of, you know, Willie Wonka and the chocolate factory and all that stuff. So even the Johnny Depp version, yes, I ain't gonna even lie. <laughs> and uh Bat the Batgirl movie <clears throat> I don't know how I feel about that. You know, I just feel like that's random. Like, why would you do a Batgirl movie? It was always and been in it, the works with Joss Whedon, but I guess his yes, yeah, so I remember. I remember it being in the works with Joss Whedon, and I also understood why it kind of went away because it was like, what a Batgirl movie that that don't even really. And I'm like, is that going to be a part of the DCEU or is this one of their little you know uh, standalone movies? You know what I mean? And I just really don't understand how you're going to do a Batgirl movie without Batman. It's just like, where's Batman at? You know what I mean? So <laughs> I, I, I really just don't know how I feel about that unless they set her up in like a Batman movie and spin her off in her in to her own movie. I just don't see how you just out the blue. All right, here I'm Batgirl. Like what? So I don't know how I feel about that. Aquaman two being in production about time. I mean, Jesus Christ, that movie was a, their first billion dollar film in the DCEU, and it came out in twenty eighteen. I would have thought they would have been had that movie up and running. So <laughs> it's it's good to see that it's finally on its way. Better late than never. Yeah, we talked and, about uh, it a couple of weeks ago on the show. At the time, it was rumored. Now it's official. So yeah, now it's now it's official. So there's that, and it seems like Dwayne Johnson is trying to stay around in the DC universe. You know, uh, doing the voice, doing the whole voice of crypto the super dog i'm i I gotta say uh growing up like i love crypto and bat hound i have a so i have a giant what there's a bat hound okay wait hold on before you even say anything i just gotta say i have a genuine like uh like puzzled feeling about why this movie is even being made in the first place like who wants to see a dc animated super pets 
No, literally, like I was about to exact say that. I said I was about to say, look, I grew up on you know Bat Hound and crypto, and I can care less about this. You know what I mean? I don't really give a damn about this at all. Like if this got canceled this second, I would be probably happy actually. Uh, but. I, I could kind of understand why they're making it. Maybe they're and trying to. And it's theatrical like, uh, at that. Like, what the fuck? Yeah, I think they're going for a, like a kid audience. You know, lo- those kid movies make big, like, like make huge money. And I think those are just straight up. Hopefully, like the kids will come see it, similar to they'll do with, like with a Disney movie or something like a Pixar movie. And it's That's about probably what they're Crypto going the for. Super Dog teaming up with a flying cat, saving the day while Superman is is on vacation or something like that. Is what the synopsis. Oh read. God, it sounds terrible. I'm not even gonna lie. <laughs> I, I have no interest in seeing that. But yeah, those are my those. Are, that's what I wanted to talk about. Yeah. Okay. I wanted to talk about the Universal uh, deal. Like, I, I thought Universal signed a deal where they said that they can't. Uh, they have to wait like 17 days, and now they're basically gonna do this with the Boss Baby, where it's like, oh, actually, no. You know what? We're gonna pull an HBO Max here and uh, promote Peacock and tell you guys to sign up for Peacock because you want to watch the Boss Baby because everyone loves the Boss Baby, right? Hell no. Man, they're so desperate, man. These streaming services are gonna go to shit. They're so desperate. They b- promote the boss baby like that was a hit. Who gave a fuck about the boss well, baby? Well, the boss baby made money. That doesn't necessarily it made mean- money, but it's not a hit though. Yeah. Like it's not like, damn, I gotta go sign up for Peacock because of the boss baby. And uh, and then I just hate even saying the name of their streaming services so bad. <laughs> Yeah, like I was gonna say, I think I think uh, Universal's getting the, the the wrong message here. Just because it made money doesn't mean it's beloved. So um, yeah, that being said, I just really it's kind of interesting that Lindsay Lohan is got she got a deal. Uh, apparently, it's gonna be like apparently Netflix has a has like a, a history of making like romantic comedies uh, set during Christmas. Things like uh, A Christmas Prince, uh, uh, The Christmas yeah. Chronicles, The Princess yeah. Switch. Um, those are like Christmas themed movies and stuff like that. So apparently, uh, she's just getting in where she can fit in kind of thing. So, um, yeah, uh, I'm sure it's going to be a hit for Netflix and, uh, for holiday, uh, 2022, because it said in the article that it's going to be filming starting in November. So it probably won't even meet, uh, this current holiday, but whatever. Uh, but I just kind of more like, um, want to know, like, what are your thoughts on, do you think the Army Hammer controversy and the Johnny Depp controversy caused Disney to pull the Lone Ranger from its streaming service? I think so. Like, like both of them have controversy behind them. Like, both of them. And, uh, and also, like, Disney is really, you know, we, I mean, this is Disney. We know how they are. They fired James Gunn, for crying out loud. James Gunn, they fired him from an old tweet that was like 10 years ago. You know what I'm saying, and so like this is this is Disney, so it it doesn't shock me at all. I definitely a hundred percent think that's the reason why they pulled it. Yeah, I think that's their bullshit. I think they on some bullshit because I would. Why? Like, dude, this is a movie that came out like eight, ten, eight, somewhere between eight and ten years ago. You know what I mean? So, whatever. Anyways, yeah, a lot of news to talk about, but either way, um, yeah, we I guess we've made our our points known, but we'll go ahead and move on to check this out. Troy, you wouldn't believe this, but only four trailers came out between uh, last episode and this episode. 
what also kind of helps that like last episode we were like i think maybe we might have been late or something i don't remember but basically we had more trailers to talk about than usual but anyways um as far as trailers go the only big headliner i would say is a trailer that came out today day of recording the eternals trailer a full two-minute trailer came out have you seen it yes i did yes i did you know i'm excited that's my most anticipated marvel movie uh, because of the talent behind it and what they're saying about how great it is, so I I seen it and I I, I did I thought they would have a little bit, but it was it was fantastic and seeing uh, uh, your actress, what's her name? Um, Angelina Jolie. Um, yeah, Angela Jolie. I mean, she just looks so badass in that yellow, you know. Uh, I mean, golden armor shit. And uh, I ain't gonna lie, I, I I'm excited. This like listen, this this trailer was more of like to show you the the kind of vibes that this movie's gonna have or whatever you know but it gave you that badass action though it, it let you know like some shit gonna go down for sure yeah for two minutes of footage it, it was like the most it, it tells you the least you know what i mean like yeah. i don't even know what the whole context or the plot of the movie is just based off of it i mean like the final scene actually was cool where they talked they name dropped like captain america and iron man but other than that you really got nothing you know so. Yeah, but I like I said, like I think this was one of those trailers where it was about like the tone and the feel and the vibe more than like explaining. All right, this is what it's about. You know what I'm saying? I think this was a good first trailer. Yeah, I think usually the second trailer is where it comes on and it's showing you what the hell's going on and it's more you know uh, up tempo kind of a, a trailer. Yeah, they call it a teaser. It's, it's actually called a teaser, a teaser trailer, yeah. and that's usually what that is. Usually, when I think of teaser trailers, I think of like thirty seconds, and I think of a logo. That's about it. You know what I mean? So yeah, I mean teaser trailer. Remember when we first started watching movies? Teaser trailers was literally teasers. Yeah, like <laughs> remember, like I remember the Superman Returns uh, teaser trailer back in the day, and it literally just showed like his logo coming up close to the screen, yeah. and then or some shit like that, or even the Man of Steel teaser. I remember seeing that; and it was like Superman shooting up in the sky, yeah. and like, like that's will, all you see. Like you, they will try to follow uh, follow you. They will fall. They will stumble like that, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember seeing that. I'll, even that was badass. But like these days, tra teaser trailers are real trailers. They just don't give you no story, which I like more because I mean, you get the more the better, but. Like, teaser trailers have changed in the last 15 years. Yeah, the one teaser trailer I remember was the Terminator 3 teaser trailer where it oh, was just yeah. it was just the liquid metal and it turns into T3 and that's it. And then, yeah, and then and that's summer. It. And that's like... Yeah, and I also, I remember the Dark Knight teaser trailer where you just hear, like, Joker laughing. Oh, yeah, like, ah! dude. Oh, yeah, and it was just a bunch of bats flying on the screen. and Bats flying, yeah. yeah like, like teaser trailers really done changed in the last 15 years, man, for real. Like, they, they're iconic, and I remember, like, they'll get you excited. But I think, you know, nowadays, I think people want more footage, like, want something more to be excited about. Really, I think Star Wars and Batman v Superman, like, like Batman v Superman and Star Wars The Force Awakens started to kind of change that with their teaser trailers. You yeah, know? <laughs> that's true. That's true. Uh, the other two trailers are actually only the other three trailers. I'll talk about these two because they're not really worth the exciting about. There's a trailer called Dear Evan Hansen, which is apparently like a musical. And uh, the actor that was in that Broadway musical is playing the actor um, in the in the main actor in this uh, movie. It's about a high school kid that, you know, sort uh, like everyone thinks that he became friends with somebody before he, he uh, this other student killed himself. And now everyone's giving him his praises and stuff like that or whatever. 
it's it's a very it's a very melodramy kind of soapy ass uh, uh, movie. I'm not really interested in it, but it does have Amy Adams and <laughs> Julianne Moore in it. So those are two big names right there. Um, yeah. I don't know if you have you heard of this uh, this movie. No, but I've heard of Julianne Moore, so that might make me check it out. Yeah, yeah, all right. Uh, the other one is a is a, a straight to Netflix CGI animated movie called Resident Evil Into Darkness. It's a I don't know if it's a movie or if it's a show, but I think it's it might be a show. It's a, it might be a CGI show, and it's starring the characters Leon Kennedy and Claire Redfield from the Resident Evil games. So it kind of looks uh, it looks actiony, and I'm not a fan of like the 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 yellowish tone or colors that they're they're going for but you know whatever um nothing too big to write home about but it's going to be premiering on netflix in july okay yeah i haven't seen none of these trailers other than the eternals okay and the final trailer to talk about it's uh uh r-e-s-p-e-c-t you know all right there you go <laughs> aretha franklin uh, uh it's, it's a it's basically like bohemian rhapsody but starring Aretha Franklin, you know what I mean? Like, oh, okay. So Jennifer Hudson is back. You know, she she won an Oscar, you know, for Dreamgirls and everything. And I feel like she hasn't been in the in the limelight as a star anymore. But now she got a role and she's playing uh, Aretha Franklin. And and you know they they do f- uh, feature Respect that song that and that's also the name of the movie. It's called Respect. R-E-S-E-T. I actually want to see this. I, I haven't even heard of or knew they were doing it, but based off this, I, I want to see this. I'm gonna go check out that trailer. Yeah. So Respect. It's uh, starring Jennifer Hudson and Forrest Whitaker. It's gonna come out this uh, summer in uh, in theaters in August 13th. So. Okay, and Forrest Whitaker, that's another Oscar-winning actor, so yeah. Yeah, and Marlon Wayans is in this movie? What the fuck? Damn, <laughs> I ain't seen him in a... <laughs> that's a random casting. <laughs> so yeah, uh, you can check out the trailer. It's going to be... Uh, all four of these trailers are going to be in the show notes as well. Uh, check out Eternals. Check out Respect. Um, basically, it feels like another Oscar movie. You know, an, a musical biopic in the same in the vein of Rocketman and and uh uh bohemian rhapsody and i feel like there's more of those as well a lot of a lot of musical uh biopics these days so yeah we'll go ahead and move on to the next one it's time for topic of the show so for the final uh uh, topic of the show in this saga of for all of the shows in May we've been talking about summer movies and now it's time to wrap it up with uh, the top summer movies of the 2010s we've already covered two shows ago the top summer movies of 2000s we cut we crowned the summer of 2008 as the best summer movie season um, so we're, what I'm going to do this time around is we're uh, I don't want to bore you guys with with title after title after title so this is what I'm going to do I'm going to read to you guys the top 12 highest grossing movies of the, each summer from 2010 to 2019. And it's not going to be, um, how do I put this? Um, it's, uh, it's, we're, we're not going to talk about every single release unless, uh, unless Troy and I want to shout it out. We have the list in front of us of all the, of all the movies, but we're, I'm only going to just specifically name drop the highest grossing ones. So that way we can sort of streamline this uh, topic of the show to make things move along more quickly. So with that being said, we're going to start things off with the summer of 2010 and the number 12 highest grossing movies of that summer was the Russell Crowe movie uh, Robin Hood. It made $105 million. Next up is The Other Guys, Salt, starring Angelina Jolie, 
the terrible, atrocious M. Night Shyamalan movie, The Last Airbender, at number nine. Followed by Grown Ups, the Adam Sandler movie. And then Jackie Chan and Jaden Smith had a hit movie called The Karate Kid. I actually like that movie. (laughs) Yeah, it was actually a good movie. Uh, It was the number seven movie of that summer. Number six is Shrek Forever After, which is the fourth Shrek movie. Uh, Number five started a franchise, Despicable Me. Number four was definitely like a great, like, you know, uh, like, uh, you know, everything's a franchise. Well, this one's not a franchise. It's a movie that hasn't been rebooted. It hasn't been sequelized. And that's Inception. Mm. And number number three, the Twilight Saga Eclipse. Number two, Iron Man 2. And finishing out uh, the highest grossing movie of the summer was Toy Story 3 at $415 million. Damn, Toy Story, boy, for that to be a little kid, little cartoon, boy, that, that shit be dominating, man. All them Toy Story. I think it has the high, I think it has the title of like the highest grossing G-rated movie, if I'm not mistaken. God damn! I mean, it was a great movie, though. It was a great movie. Yeah. But you know, I'm rocking with Inception. <laughs> yeah. So the highest opening weekend of that summer was Iron Man two at 128 million dollars. The lowest grossing summer movie was MacGruber, which was like a Saturday Night Live sketch turned movie at $8.5 million. And then the lowest opening weekend was The Kids Are All Right, which was like a bit of a limited release, but also like it expanded wide. Um, and this had like Mark Ruffalo and Josh Hutcherson in it. Uh, started, it made $3.5 million on its first uh, wide release weekend. But uh, Troy, uh, you see the list of all the 2010 movies and you know we got a Bow Wow movie like Lottery Ticket. We got Scott Pilgrim versus The World. Um, there's the other guys, which was like the Will Ferrell movie and a bunch of other stuff. What do you, uh, what do you think of summer of 2010? Was it all right? Was it good? Was it bad? It was damn good. I mean, Scott Pilgrim vs. the world is one of my all time favorite movies. I mean, to have that, you know, to have, uh, inception, you know, to have toy story three, you know what I mean? Like they, like it's some good, I mean, listen, every single movie season that you name, is gonna have a bunch of trash movies. That, that's <laughs> like Iron that's Man just Two, <laughs> re- right? Like that's just the reality of the summer movie season. So every single year, yes, it's flooded with trash movies like this. It's flooded with trash. Cats movies, and but- Dogs: The Revenge of Kitty Galore. <laughs> oh my goodness! Like yeah, like it's 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 terrible. But you gotta. It's more about looking at what's good in the summer. You know, what stands out. And to me, three clearly stand out. Inception, Scott Pilgrim vs. The World, and Story, Story 3 is three great movies all in one year. I mean, in one summer. yeah, one summer year. So Yeah, and also the, I want to give a shout-out to the other guys and The Expendables as well. I'll add that to the list. And I do like the other guys, for sure. <laughs> all right. We'll go ahead and move on to summer of 2011, the top 12 movies of that summer. At number 12, we got The Smurfs. Oh, God damn it. Why did we have to... <laughs> to start it off, fuck. Start, okay, number 12, the Smurfs made $142 million. What was wrong with us? But whatever. Number 11, X-Men First Class. Number 10, why the hell is it this low? Rise of the Planet of the Apes at number 10. What? Damn, number 10? <laughs> oh, come on, bruh. What the hell? But but the last, the Smurfs made... Uh, Almost, oh, my God. The Smur- okay, the Smurfs made what? 142, Rise made 176. So it's That's not, just embarrassing. Not a, That's embarrassing. Not a big uh, gap there. Number nine, Kung Fu Panda 2. Number eight, Bridesmaids. Number seven, Captain America, the first Avenger. That's a very humble beginnings there. Uh, made a 176, and Thor 1 made 181 at number six. 
So they're, they're, they, these are two good franchise starters there. They're next to each other. Cars 2 at number 5. Pirates 4. Pirates of the Caribbean on Stranger Tides at number 4. Uh, number 3 is The Hangover Part 2. Number 2 is Transformers Dark of the Moon. I used, to, I used to think it was called Dark Side of the Moon, but whatever. It's the third Transformers movie. And finally, at number one, the winner of the summer of 2011 is Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows Part 2 at $381 million. Man, them Harry Potter movies be hits, boy. Yeah, it's also the highest opening weekend. It made $169 million in its first three days. Uh, the lowest grossing movie of summer of 2011 was Glee, the 3D concert movie. Oh, God. Whoever oh, thought it was okay. a good idea to make a Glee movie, but whatever. Yeah, uh, it was the sure. highest, uh, the lowest grossing and the lowest opening weekend. Uh, it made uh, $5.9 million on its opening weekend and 11.8 on its total gross. And I also have a bunch of string backpacks that had the Glee, the 3D concert movie on it. And I took really? a Sharpie and I just Sharpied the hell out of it. So it's just a blue, <laughs> it's like a blue, you know, it was like Tony has those blue string backpacks. Yeah, yeah, it's a blue yeah. string backpack with just a black square just sharpied in there. <laughs> oh, man, I would have did the same thing, man. Fuck that. Yeah, so other notable mentions uh, I'll give a shout-out to. I want to give a shout-out to the Justin Timberlake Mila Kunis movie, Friends with Benefits. Uh, uh, Zoe Saldana did a movie called Colombiana, so there you go. I mean, this this really was a very solid, solid summer, man. Like, really, this kind of capped off the start of the whole uh movie genre i mean superhero movie genre i mean if you think about like you got three marvel starters in the same um in the same summer then you have x-men first class who really kind of rebooted uh, x-men in a way you know and re-got that franchise back popular and uh so it's like really kind of you know started the whole like really not i wouldn't say started it but you started to see the whole comic book movies scene to start to take over in this one um summer but you know rise of the planet of the apes is in there Super crazy eight. stupid <laughs> yeah. yeah that's in there um yeah they i mean listen they this is this is actually yeah. a really good summer crazy stupid sure. love uh crazy stupid love like yeah it's, this got some stuff in there you know i mean bridesmaids i know you i think you brought that yeah. up but uh gr- yeah, we so. got we got horrible bosses which is also a good movie uh, horrible bosses yep uh but anti-shadowed against green lantern and cowboys and aliens <laughs> oh man and green lantern Mr. had Popper's to fuck it up for the comic book movies yeah <laughs> And to think that's when they was trying to start the DC, uh, the DC universe. Boy, that was a failure. Yeah. All right. Moving on to summer of 2012. At number 12, we have the Born Legacy, that Jeremy Renner movie, um, Magic Mike, Prometheus, Snow White and the Huntsman, Ice Age Continental Drift, Men in Black 3, Madagascar 3, Europe's Most Wanted. At number five, we have Ted. Brave, The Amazing Spider-Man, that first Andrew Garfield movie right there at number three. At number two, we have The Dark Knight Rises. And number one, we have The Avengers. So, yeah. Uh, Any shout-outs you want to give to as far as what's not on the list? I mean, it's crazy. I remember this year, like, the back of my neck. Like, look, like, Avengers and The Dark Knight Rises being in the same fucking year, man. I remember that shit. Like, I remember me being just as excited for both of them maybe a little bit more for batman uh uh 
the Batman movie for sure because I mean I I'm always been a Batman fan, but the the those two movies in the same year and the Amazing Spider Man like looking back on it, it's not that good, but at the time I loved it. So uh, Amazing Spider Man also being in that year, but I mean Abraham Lincoln, you got some good movies that came out this year. You know what I'm saying? You know what? Uh, I did actually like Abraham Lincoln Vampire Hunter. <laughs> Like yeah oh oh that's oh the Vampire Hunter I didn't even oh I'm tripping I thought that was a Spielberg that, no Abraham that Lincoln. was a Spielberg movie was Lincoln and it came out during award season oh. in December okay okay yeah I forgot they came out because they did come out the same year okay uh yeah never mind I I didn't like that movie oh uh, my god <laughs> I liked yeah, it I, I watched it unironically by the way that that's like a guilty movie pleasure I think yeah. like that's it. but uh. Uh, but just those two being in the same year, event the Avengers and uh, Batman, the, them being in the same year. You like? Crazy. I know you like uh, arts out art house movies. Uh, Moonrise Kingdom isn't that one of the? I forgot the name of that director that did the the Royal Tenenbaums and shit like that. I forgot, but I didn't. I Paul never Thomas seen Anderson, Moonrise Kingdom. Like that. Uh, Paul Tom, Paul Thomas Anderson directed that. Yeah, I believe so. What is called Moonrise and Kingdom. Moonrise Kingdom. I I don't think he directed that, but I don't I don't uh I don't I never seen that movie though. Okay. I never seen that one. All right. Um okay, we got we uh I I love Ted by the way. Ted was such a good movie. They ruined it with the Ted, sequel. Yeah, Ted was was a surprise. It actually was legit. Uh, I love uh The Expendables too. And I also want to give a shout out to Battleship. A movie kind of sucked, but I loved it though. It was a guilty <laughs> movie pleasure. <laughs> Yeah, it did suck, but I I did like the expendable. The first two, I can't remember if I liked the third uh the third one, but the first two I remember really liking them. That was fun. Yeah. Um, as far as the losers, okay. Oh, uh, yeah. The highest grossing was obviously Avengers at six hundred and twenty three million. The highest opening weekend was the Avengers at two hundred and seven million. All right. Now here's this. Here's the funniest one I've ever seen in my whole life. Like, oh my god, this has to be the wor- the, the the worst right here. The lowest grossing movie of the summer was The Oogie Loves in the Big Balloon Adventure. It came out on over 2,000 screens, and its total theatrical gross was $1 million. Its opening weekend was also uh, under a million dollars. It made $443,000 in its opening weekend. That's embarrassing, bro. Like, I think everybody that had anything to do with that movie lost their job. Like, Cause how you make under a million opening weekend <laughs> on two thousand screens? God damn! Like what bro, parents? Okay, what like what? What parents are gonna take their like? Obviously, the Oogie Love sounds like something for like three or four year olds, you know, something like that. You're not gonna spend money to go to the theaters and watch that. Like, what self respecting parents gonna watch Oogie Loves? <laughs> <laughs> that was just a terrible idea, man. Like, I don't know what they were thinking, but yeah, they definitely lost their job for it. <laughs> Shit. Uh, all right. Next up, we're gonna go to summer of 2013. <laughs> At number 12, we have the Wolverine, the Hugh Jackman movie. Ooh. What the hell? Yeah. Damn. I, oh yeah, they did come out 2013. I don't know why I forgot. I thought uh, First Class came out after that, but no, I guess not. the Wolverine. That was like setting up for uh, the end credits for the Wolverine had uh, set up for um, what was the Days of Future Past. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. Um, that's right. Made 132 million dollars that summer. Interesting. Making only a million dollars more was The Grown Ups 2, the second Adam Sandler movie in that series. I don't think there was ever one other one after that. Uh, the Conjuring at number 10. Leonardo DiCaprio and Tobey Maguire uh, were at number 9 with The Great Gatsby. And then Sandra Bullock uh, and uh, Melissa McCarthy, n- number 8. The Heat. 
Brad Pitt, World War Z at number seven. Number six, Star Trek Into Darkness. Number five was Fast and Furious 6. Number four was Monsters University. Number three was Man of Steel. Number two was Despicable Me Too. And at number one, winner of the summer, highest grossing was Iron Man 3 at $409 million. Yo, uh, I ain't gonna even lie. So far, this my favorite. Uh, this my favorite one. Really? Because it, yeah, yeah, like there's a lot of movies in this that don't get enough credit, but I personally enjoy them. Like Iron Man three. I love Iron Man three. A lot of people don't give it credit, mainly because of what they did with the villain. But I always I was a big fan of Iron Man three. That shit goes hard. The Wolverine is another one. Like in terms of the X Men movies, the Wolverine doesn't get a lot of love. It's like either First Class, Days of Future Past you know logan the first two x-men movies or something like that but i always loved the wolverine it was badass for them to have that like kung fu style shit it was the same i believe the same guy that was in um the mortal Kombat movie that played scorpion he was in the movie uh the the, uh, the wolverine yes and, uh, yeah, it was, him. It, yes yeah, it was just badass, man. Like Karaoke, with the swords. Uh, Karaoke Sonata. Yeah, yeah, him, man. It, and I, I personally enjoyed the movie. I didn't really like the ending, but throughout the movie was really good to me. So I was a big, I'm a big fan of that. Man of Steel. That's another one. A lot, it doesn't get a lot of credit in terms of being a, a great superhero movie. It, it, you know, they, a lot of people put it under the like bad DCEU films, like Suicide Squad and stuff like that. Me, I love Man of Steel. Still my favorite Superman movie. Still my favorite Superman. And uh, I, I enjoyed that. So, like, that kind of goes under that same category. So, it's a lot of these movies in here that don't really get the credit that I feel like they deserve. But I personally enjoy them. So, uh, and, like, you know, Kick-Ass 2, that's another one. A lot of people didn't like Kick-Ass 2. I like Kick-Ass 2. I, I, I mean, it's not as good as the first one, of course. But it was still good to me. So, and then Fast and Furious 6 is in there. They got some bangers in this in this. Um, summer okay. season all right yeah shout out to pacific rim uh shout pacific out rim that's a and that that's another one like, they don't get enough credit for being like a great monster movie like it was fantastic uh, shout out to we're the millers that movie was hilarious we are the millers okay uh, yep. now you see me shout out to that one now you see me that was a fun one shout out to yep. elysium damn man like yeah this is definitely one of my favorites i ain't gonna even lie okay i gotta put this one on there all right all right um, R.I.P.D. and Red 2 uh, R.I.P.D. was Ryan Reynolds And uh, yeah, alright We'll go ahead and keep that one noted As, uh, as possibly the winner uh, We're going to go ahead and move on to 2014 We have at number 12 The Fault in Our Stars Interesting and Number 11 is Neighbors That Seth Rogen, Zac Efron movie Number 10 was Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Oh god I actually like that first movie, by the way Really? Yeah, I, the second one was trash But that first movie, I actually liked it. I watched it in theaters, too. I, I didn't mind it. I ain't gonna say I liked it, but I didn't mind it. Like, the second one was trash, but the first one, I didn't mind. Number nine was How to Train Your Dragon 2, 22 Jump Street, okay. Godzilla, the 2014 Godzilla. Ooh, okay, this one trying to come strong. I ain't gonna lie. Okay, what's gonna, like, fizzle out? The Amazing Spider-Man 2. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> Number five, Dawn of the Planet of the Apes. Woo-hoo-hoo-hoo. Another one, and followed by another banger, number four, X-Men Days of Future Past. Ooh, hold on. This one's up there. I ain't gonna lie. All right. Number three and number two are a little bad, but whatever. Number three is Maleficent. Ugh. It's all right. I thought it was pretty good, but eh. It's Angelina Jolie. I didn't Jolie. like it at all. Yeah. Number two is Transformers Age of Extinction, which was the fourth oh, movie. Oh, God. With Mark Wahlberg. Yeah, that's... Yeah, that's... Uh, all right, but we're gonna redeem ourselves, because number one was Guardians of the Galaxy. At Let's see. 
That's eat. Yeah, that's when they. That's when Marvel first came with some different shit. Yeah, that fucked yeah. the world up. Guardians of the Galaxy won the summer with three hundred and thirty-three million dollars. Transformers: Age of Extinction won the highest opening weekend of the summer with a hundred million dollars. Uh, the lowest grossing movie was uh, an animated Wizard of Oz movie. It was Legend of Legends of Oz Dorothy Returns. It made $8.4 million and its uh, total gross. And the lowest opening weekend was something called Magic in the Moonlight at $1.7 million. Yeah, I never even, I never even heard of that. That's how you know it was a, a bomb. <laughs> but yeah, anything you want to give a shout out to that's not on the list? Well, I'll say this. This one, if the last one was on the uh, on the list, I mean, if the last one was a possibility, this one definitely got to be because it had all the movies that I was saying didn't get credit, like that did get credit. Like X-Men, Wolverine didn't, but X-Men Days of Future Past did. You know, uh, Godzilla got credit, you know, and it was fantastic. Dawn of the Planet of the Apes. I mean, it, it's, this got some good shit on there that I liked uh, for sure. Sex Tape was a guilty movie pleasure. I think that shit was funny. As Cameron Diaz and Jason Segel, yeah. Yeah, that that shit was funny for sure. But uh, it don't really have a lot of other. Edge of Tomorrow was great. I, you know, that movie there was phenomenal. The, I love the it. only Edge movie to get retitled after it came out. It's called Live Die Repeat. Yeah, on the Live Die Repeat. Yeah. yeah, and I believe it has some other name too. Like they changed the name a couple of times. <laughs> but uh, yeah, but I I love that movie. It don't really get the love that it deserves. But uh, yeah, I definitely think this is Twenty Two Jump Street. That that's probably the best comedy of that year. One of the best comedies of that year. Top Five was another great comedy that year. But Twenty Two Jump Street was definitely right there and so yeah man uh, um let's be cops that was a guilty movie pleasure for me it was funny i enjoyed that movie so there's a boyhood damn boyhood oscar, came out oscar the, winner right there it was damn it came out in the summer yep, god yep, damn it did. okay <laughs> yeah boy boyhood is the one of the most revolutionary movies ever made you know what i'm saying it was a shot over a span of like 15 14 years, years i think i want to say 14 years yeah so you actually seen the boy actually grow up it was amazing masterpiece of a movie so yeah like this this was a great year this was a great year for sure yeah uh, i think it won uh uh what was her name uh patricia no not what's what's the name of the mom patricia arquette yeah. she won the oscar for best actress that that year yeah yeah best actress she was fantastic in that movie yeah uh for 2015 the top 12 movies of the summer we start off with train wreck and then spy and number 10 we got straight out of compton that's like a, a, a bunch of memes right there number nine mad max fury road number eight was the rock with san andreas so number seven was ant-man Number six was Pitch Perfect 2. Number five, Mission Impossible, Rogue Nation. Number Okay, this, num, this top five actually is pretty much bangers, by the way. Mission Impossible, Rogue Nation. Number four was Minions. Number three was Inside Out. Number two, A Avengers Age of Ultron. And number one, Jurassic World. Yeah, that, that, those have bangers in terms of box office, but I'm not gonna lie, I really don't, in terms of quality, I don't really like this this uh, year. Oh, I'm, I'm not, wow. Yeah. I wasn't the biggest fan of Jurassic World, man. It was a huge hit. Everybody loved it. But to me, it was just so generic and cliche. And it was, I didn't really like it. And I like, I think the magic of the old Jurassic Parks wasn't there. So I wasn't a big fan. And the same with Avengers Age of Ultron. I, I thought that movie was, was nowhere near as good as people was making it out to be. Uh, Fantastic Four, like really, I, I didn't really like it. Now I will say this, uh, Inside Out is to this day still the best pixar movie ever made it's a straight up masterpiece i ain't gonna even lie i love uh inside out but like um 
Ted 2 wasn't a fan of it. That Terminator Genesis was tri- wasn't a fan of it. You know, so I, I ain't gonna lie. This, you know, uh, this summer's I, a bit I of a letdown. <laughs> yeah, it was a bit of a letdown. I mean, it made, this month. This it's crazy because this year made crazy money. Yeah. but the Minions, I I wasn't a big fan of those, that movie. You know, those. You know, so. Yeah, I, yeah I, I, the the quality little stuff, but the money was. This was one of the biggest years in box office history in 2015. Jurassic World made 652 million dollars, and I was surprised that that movie made that kind of money. God it made damn. more than the that first movie did Avengers. a billion. Yeah, it did a billion and broke an Avengers record. I never thought that would happen. Yeah, Jesus it made 208 million dollars on its opening weekend, so it did in fact beat the Avengers opening weekend by a million. Um, yeah. Um, it won the summer for the highest grossing, highest opening. The biggest loser was a movie called The D Train. I never heard of this, by the way. That sounds like a damn porno movie, The D Train. The D Train. It's starring Jack Black and James Marsden. Hmm. And yeah, uh, it made a whole theatrical gross was $673,000. It opened on over 1,000 screens. And it made 469000 of it on its opening weekend. So if That's I were to crazy. bump it up to like... Movies that made uh, open in over two thousand theaters, uh, the Zac Efron movie "We Are Your Friends," where he plays a DJ, uh, that opened uh, that highest highest grossing or uh, its theatrical gross was three point five million dollars. That's funny how it made a lot the most of its money opening weekend. <laughs> it only went to make like two hundred thousand or something uh, after that. Like that's terrible, man. Yeah. All right. Okay. We're not, we'll definitely not put this in contention, but uh, so I guess I'll just give a shout out to I've. Actually, I don't even know if I want to give a shout out to anything here. I don't see anything that's worth shouting out. Yeah, I, me either. I mean, I see The Man from Uncle, but I haven't actually seen that movie. Um, yeah. I like The Man from Uncle. I'm not going to lie. Uh, I like I like um, Henry Cavill in that. Okay. All right. We'll go ahead and move on to summer of 2016. At number 12, we got Bad Moms. And then followed by the Angry Birds movie. The Legend of Tarzan at number 10. Ghostbusters. Oh, my God. The 2016 Ghostbusters uh, reboot. Um, number eight was Central Intelligence. Number seven, X-Men Apocalypse. Number seven, uh, number six is Star Trek Beyond. Number five, Jason Bourne. Number four, Suicide Squad. Number three, The Secret Life of Pets. And at number one and number two, Disney One. Captain America uh, Civil War at number two. Finding Dory at number one. Hmm. They 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 went out with bangers, man. Jesus. Yeah. So we got Finding Dory made four hundred and eighty six million dollars over its entire domestic run, uh, but Captain America: Civil War made more on its opening weekend than Finding Dory did. Uh, I'm so um damn. Batman v Superman ain't on this. It shit? came out in March. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. That's right. It came out kind of earlier on. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Captain America: Civil War made one hundred and seventy nine million dollars in its opening weekend. Uh, the lowest grossing movies. I found. I just. I wanted to split the difference because I wanted to make fun of uh, the Andy Samberg movie, Pop Star, Never Stop, Never Stopping. It made uh, nine point oh, yeah. six million in its entire uh, its entire theatrical gross. It made four point six of it in its opening weekend. Uh, the but the biggest loser was Hands of Stone for 4.7 for its whole gross and 1.7 in its opening weekend. But I will say this. I did watch Popstar Never Stop Never Stopping on like HBO like when I was like flipping through channels. And I actually only watched like the first half of that movie. That movie was so trash. I didn't even finish watching the whole movie. God damn. You couldn't even get through it. <laughs> I, mean, I wasn't even paying for it. That's how bad it was. 
Yeah, I mean this 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 uh movie season was all right. This summer movie season was all right, but it wasn't great. It was a lot of disappointments. Of course, you got the Captain America Civil Wars that that delivered and was good and stuff. But you know, I was a little bit disappointed in X Men Apocalypse, even though I like X Men Apocalypse. Uh, some people think it's a straight dumpster fire. I actually like X Men Apocalypse, but. I can't act like it wasn't a disappointment. You know, uh, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Out of the Shell, trash. Independence uh, now Day, you see me too. trash. <laughs> trash. Legends of Tarzan, trash. trash. The the Purge election year, kind of trash. Uh, you know, they like it, it had a lot of garbage this year. I ain't going to even lie to Ghostbusters you. Ghostbusters, trash. <laughs> Ghostbusters, trash. <laughs> I mean, look, they had hell on high water in the summer season, so that was a good-ass movie. War Dogs, I like. That was also the director that directed Joker that did that. War Dogs was pretty cool. But, uh, yeah, man, a lot of this shit didn't. Suicide Squad, trash. <laughs> uh yeah, a lot of these movies, man, just dropped a sausage party, trash. I actually, yeah, okay, this, you know what? I, I, it's a guilty movie pleasure. I watched it, but I don't think I would ever watch it again. I'll tell you that much. I ain't gonna lie. I feel the same way. I ain't gonna lie. I, I call it trash, but I, I, I kind of, it was funny. I ain't gonna lie. It was funny, but it wasn't a good movie. But I overall, like, even, even the movies that were good in the summer, like, they're not worth, like, getting excited for, you know what I mean? They're getting excited. Yeah, really, Finding Dory and Captain America Civil War are really the only two that were legitly, like, you know, big, excited about movies. I mean, Hell or High Water was one of the best movies of that year, for Warcraft sure. Warcraft did not deliver, yeah. No, they, that dropped the ball, <laughs> you know, and that could have been, like, one of the big, one of the big uh, gaming movies, and uh, it dropped the ball. But, uh... Yeah, I, I don't really like this season either. I ain't going to lie. All right. Okay, so for the last three years, 2017, 2018, 2019, I'm going to, since I don't have the list in front of us anymore, like as far as like, you know, all the releases, I'm going to go ahead and read the top 18 movies to make uh, to make us like a very well-rounded opinion on the summer. At number 18, we got Baywatch. Number 17, The Hitman's Bodyguard. Number 16, Captain Underpants, the first epic movie. Number 15, Alien Covenant. Number 14, the Tom Cruise movie, The Mummy. Number 13, the Emoji movie. God damn. God I should damn. not have started off with the top 15. <laughs> All these movies are bad. <laughs> also, I'm just going to go and throw this out there. Number 20 was The Dark Tower. <laughs> Jesus Christ, man. All right, number 12, Annabelle Creation. Number 11, Baby Driver. Number 10, Ooh. Girls Trip. Number nine, Transformers, The Last Night. I believe that one had Anthony Hopkins in it. Uh, number eight, War of War for the Planet of the Apes. Mm. Number seven, Cars 3. Number six, Pirates of the Caribbean, Dead Men Tell No Tells. Number five is Dunkirk. Number four, Despicable Me 3. Number three, Spider-Man Homecoming. Number two, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. And number one, winner of the summer is Wonder Woman at $412 million. Yo, I ain't gonna lie. This year made a comeback. You were naming all garbage. But as you were naming them, they were getting better and better. I mean, you know, Baby Driver, Dunkirk, you know. Uh, uh, Spider-Man uh, Homecoming, yeah. Spider-Man Homecoming, War. Wonder Woman, you know, Girls Trip. War like for the Planet they, of the Apes, yeah. War for the Planet of the Apes was really a phenomenal movie. Good I ain't way gonna to lie. End a trilogy. I yeah. 
Yeah, ended the trilogy fantastic. So, really, man, 17 made a bit of a comeback, man. I'm not going to lie. That, that was a pretty damn good year. Yeah, made the highest opening weekend went to Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 at $146 million. The lowest grossing yeah. movie was called a movie called Birth of the Dragon. I never heard of it. Made $6.9 million. And it also had the lowest opening weekend at $2.7 million. All right. Yeah, I might. I think this might should be a possibility. All right, we'll go ahead and move on to 2018. Now, for I'm gonna do a caveat for 2018 and 2019. I've uh, gonna include Avengers: Infinity War and Avengers: Endgame, even though they opened in April. But I'm gonna count them as summer as summer movies. So, uh, yeah, fight me on that one. Uh, we're gonna go ahead and move on. So at number, let me see here. I'm pulling up the list right now. Okay, at number 18 we have Tag. Number 17, Skyscraper. Number 16, Book Club. Number 15, The First Purge. Number 14, Christopher Robin. Number 3, The Denzel Movie, Equalizer 2. Number 12, Mamma Mia, Here We Go Again. Number 11, Crazy Rich Asians. I remember that movie. Number 10, The Meg with Jason Statham. Uh, Number 9, Ocean's 8. Number 8, Hotel Transylvania 3, Summer Vacation. Number 7, Mission Impossible Fallout. Number 6, Solo, A Star Wars Story. Number 5, Ant-Man and the Wasp. Number 4, Deadpool 2. Number 3, Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom. Number 2, Incredibles 2, which is the traditional winner of the summer movie season if we exclude Avengers. Infinity War at number 1 because it opened in April. So, yeah. Uh, the winners were Incredibles 2. It made uh, $608 million, and Avengers Infinity War made $678 million. Either way, Disney is laughing all the way to the bank. Um, yeah, highest cr- opening sure. weekend, Incredibles 2, $182 million. Uh, Avengers Infinity War made $257 million. The lowest grossing movie was something called Bad Samaritan. Uh, called, uh, uh, it's made $3.4 million in its in its total gross. $1.7 of it came from its opening weekend. Apparently, Bad Samaritan is about a, a guy who breaks into a house, and it turns out inside the house is like some, a woman who's like kidnapped or you know being like held hostage in there. So yeah. Uh, but anyways, anything you wanted to say about uh, this particular summer that you want to shout out? This summer was kind of weak. I did. Uh, I feel like I agree with the highest grossing being Incredibles two. Um, Incredibles two was really good. Like Incredibles two lived up to the first Incredibles, and um, and I actually I'm glad that that made the most money. It's deserving of it. But I'm not. I mean, this year. I mean, in Avengers: Infinity War, like it's almost not even worth bringing up. Of course, great movie, and it made the money that it did. I mean. Of course, that was fantastic. But other than that, not a lot stood out to me as you were naming them. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of interesting that Mission Impossible Fallout is at number seven. But whatever. Uh, but yeah, I actually liked I liked Crazy Rich Asians and I liked The Meg. They were like late I like summer. Crazy Rich Asians. I didn't like The Meg, but Crazy Rich Asians was so good. It was such a surprise. I didn't know what to think of like just the trailer and stuff. But I remember just it being so damn funny. It's like everyone had charisma. Yep. Especially Aquafina. Yeah, exactly. All right, and finally, rounding it out here, uh, we'll go ahead and start at number 18. Uh, Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark. That was number 18 for summer of 2019. Uh, Good Boys at 17. I remember that one. It was a comedy. Uh, Number 16, (laughs) X-Men Dark Phoenix. Oh, man, the worst X-Men movie. Well, is that the worst X-Men movie? I'm trying to think. Yeah, I think so. It's probably up there. It's in the conversation. Um, Yeah, for sure. Number 15, Annabelle Comes Home. Number 14, Yesterday. 
Number 13. Oh, my God. Men in Black International. Oh, God. With Chris Hemsworth. What a terrible movie. Terrible Number movie. 12, Rocket Man. Number 11, Godzilla, King of the Monsters. Oh, you're going to love this one. At number 10, making $142 million. It's Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Okay, that's a that's a beloved one All right. for sure. Number 9, Pokemon Detective Pikachu. I like that movie. I ain't going to lie. Number 8, The Secret Life of Pets 2. Number 7, Fast and Furious presents Hobbs and Shaw. Number 6, John Wick, Chapter 3, Parabellum. Woo. Number 5, Aladdin. Number four, Spider-Man Far From Home. Ooh. Number three, Toy Story 4. <sighs> Actually, no, wait, look, look at the top three. Toy Story 4, and then the next two are also Disney movies. Disney took the top three. The Lion King was the winner of the traditional summer movie season. But if we include Avengers Endgame, it's at number one. Yeah. So, Damn, that shit crazy. The Lion King, the CGI, terrible CGI live action Lion King made $543 million. Fuck. And it wasn't even good. Imagine if it was great. <laughs> God damn. I was part of that 543. And then uh, Avengers Endgame made $858 million. Uh, the highest opening weekend also went to the Lion King at 191. And Avengers Endgame at, I think it's got the record for the highest opening weekend at $357 million in three days. Like, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> In game, it don't even make sense, bro. Mo- like, most movies don't even make that in, th- in like the entire theatrical run, and it did it in three days. Damn, bro. Wow. Like, I think 2019 got to be the winner, bro. Bro, like, you just what about 2013? <laughs> I ain't gonna lie. Like, it's I mean, it's, it's listen. 2014 is my runner up for me. You know, uh, 2014 that year was just a was a great year, a, me- a rememberable year in movies for me. Like you know, we talked about already all the hits that came out, um, not including Spider Amazing Spider Man Two. But really, if you think about it, it's good. Amazing Spider Man Two was actually good because we got Spider Man Homecoming out of it. If Amazing Spider Man Two was a hit and it was like everybody loved it, we to this day probably wouldn't have Spider Man in the MCU. So really, that actually was a good thing that that movie sucked. Looking back on it, but uh, yeah, I, I loved uh, 2014. I think 2014 stands out, but 2019. I mean, the, the amount of hits it had, but it also had quality. You know, like with Once Upon a Time in Hollywood and things like that so for me i think 2019 is gonna be the winner i mean it just dominated the box office and it had good quality stuff in there as well so when you pay i I guess i'll follow your lead on this one i don't really have a particular favorite either uh but when you pit 2019 versus 2008 which which summer outdid the other and just a reminder Uh, summer of 08 had iron man okay i i I think i think you know um it's close Damn, that's a hard one. Because twelve, because twelve. I mean, the Dark Knight Rises was. I mean, that year is the most. I'm gonna go with twelve only because of rememberable. Like only because of, like it does something for my style. Like for nostalgia purposes, I'm gonna go with twelve because I remember Avengers. You know, just being uh, an, an anomaly. Like it was something just. Uh, it, it was never really done before in cinema history in terms of just a crossover becoming this big spectacle and making all this money. Uh, and it's crazy because I wasn't even a big Avengers uh, Marvel guy at the time. Like it, it really kind of changed my perspective. And so and then The Dark Knight Rises, I mean, the follow up after The Dark Knight, the greatest comic book movie ever made. This was the follow up to it. And uh, it delivered and was fun. And I loved it. I mean, you you can't really you, you you know those two movies alone 
you know, for my nostalgia. And that was back when everybody was still working at the theater. Yeah. So, you know, we were seeing them together. We were seeing them, you know, at different times, multiple times, you know. So it that plays a part in it, too. So kind of cheating there. But for nostalgia purposes, I'm going to go with 2012. Yeah, okay, that's fair. Um, my overall winner between the two decades, I feel like, is still 2008. Um, the reason why is because 2008, I was working in the movie theater. I have a lot of, like, uh, memories with all these movies, even the bad ones, uh, because I was working there. Like, you know, I remember watching, like, Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the, of the Crystal Skull with my family and everything. But as far as bangers go, we got Iron Man 1. We got The Dark Knight. The Dark Knight. We got Wally. Uh, Wanted. I actually like that one movie with James McAvoy. Incredible Hulk. We got The Hulk. We got um, uh, Tropic Thunder. Uh, Pineapple Express. Step Brothers, I mean, fuck. I mean, uh, the whole summer movie season was strong together. So I think nothing's got a thing. I don't think anything's got anything on uh, Summer of 08, in my opinion. Yeah, 08 was crazy. That that was one crazy year. Um, the Chronicles of Narnia, you know. Um, yeah, man. It, I, like, uh, the Iron Man, the, the kind of the, the start off everything with the Dark Knight in the same year. God damn. And Kung Fu Panda kicked off like five movies, you know. <laughs> Yeah, Kung Fu Panda, you know, was a hit, and it was actually good. The Clone War, so you had a Star Wars movie in Dave there. Dave got his the, feet wet, it, and he got us the, the TV show greenlit because of that movie, you know? So. Yeah, yep, yep. I mean, and it's crazy because that's the worst Star Wars movie to this day. But it, it, <laughs> the fact the fact that it was a Star Wars movie in that year is just, it's just crazy, yeah. you know? And, and nobody ever talks about Get Smart. That was like a Steve Carell, uh, uh, Anne Hathaway movie, but whatever. I got to see that again because I, I don't remember it. I watched it, but I just don't remember yeah, it. Yeah, it's also got Dwayne Johnson in there as well. But anyways, uh, we'll go ahead and I, uh, we'll, those are our winners for the summers. And I hope you guys uh, had a uh, good time recollecting about this. And uh, I don't think we'll be talking about summer movie season anytime soon anymore. We'll move on to something else next uh, next show. In the meantime, let's go ahead and and move the show right along to Netflix and Chill. All right, so for Netflix and Chill, I am only going to do the two charts here. Uh, I'll just do the Netflix chart. These are the top 10 things that are on Netflix right now. Number one, obviously, Army of the Dead is going to debut at number one. Number two, Who Killed Sarah? Number three, The Woman in the Window. Number four, Sabotage, which I believe is that Arnold Schwarzenegger movie. Uh, Number five, Jurassic World, Camp Cretaceous. Number six, The Mitchells vs. the Machines is still holding on to the top 10. Number seven is The Upshaws. Number eight is Jupiter's Legacy. Number nine is Startup. And at number 10, like always, it's always going to be at number 10 is Coco Melon. <laughs> Anything you want to say about the Coco chart? Coco Melon ain't leaving. Uh, what'd you say? Anything you wanted to say about the chart? Uh, I mean, other than, I was, you know, Army of the Dead, of course, is going to be at number one. So that was, um, that was crazy. And Jurassic World. Uh, it's an animated kids show or whatever. So yeah, I was gonna say I, I never heard of that one, but you know it's Jurassic. If it got Jurassic at the front of it, it's gonna do some numbers. So it doesn't surprise me that it's in the top five. I'm surprised you haven't uh, uh, watched the woman in the window. I think you want. I thought you wanted to watch that one with one with Amy Adams, right? I was just gonna say that I didn't get to it, but I, I'm definitely that's one that I was um, gonna get to for sure in the near future because it seems interesting. Even though I heard some bad things. Oh about damn! It. I didn't. I did not know that. Okay. Yeah, so I'm gonna give it a. I'm definitely gonna give it a look, see though, because I I I don't go off other people's opinion. I go off my opinion. Nice. You know. All right. The top ten things on iTunes. Number one is The Marksman. Number two is Godzilla versus Kong. 
Number three, Raya and the Last Dragon. By the way, uh, almost everything on this top ten iTunes list is brand new. Everything got almost everything from last week got yeeted off the list. I wonder if like iTunes did some kind of deal because you know Godzilla vs Kong isn't on HBO Max anymore. Yeah, I know. After it left the thirty day, it's gonna go to like rental slash PVOD. You know, so yeah. So uh, so does that mean like I'm gonna still be able to get Godzilla vs Kong on VOD? So right now, it's, you have to pay for it. So if you want to go on iTunes or Google Play or Amazon Video, you have to pay to rent it or buy it. Uh, but What I've, about, are they going to have any hard copies, Blu-rays? I'm sure uh, there DVD? will be. I'm sure there will be. I don't know. Maybe maybe like in 14 days. I think it's usually, when it comes to these digital stuff, it's always about 14 days before. I don't really see, unless it's maybe, uh, I mean, okay, I guess so. But I was going to say, I really don't understand the point of taking something that goes straight to something off of the, like taking Godzilla vs. Kong off of HBO Max, even though it debuted on HBO Max and it's an HBO Max movie. Like, <laughs> that don't really make sense. But, like, maybe if they do deals, like, with iTunes, they pay them a certain money to let it be exclusive to iTunes or something like that. I guess it can make sense. And then they can put it back on there whenever they want Yeah, to. I think after it runs its course, after it, like, after they bleed it dry from, like, rentals and stuff and 99-cent rentals and stuff, they'll they'll put it back on HBO Max after it's run its course. But right now, it's still in, it's still in theaters. I think it, it's still in—it just—last weekend, it was at number five, and it made, like, its total domestic run is at 90, $95 million, so— yeah, I I guess it's now on iTunes, so there you go. Um, number four, uh, apparently this movie didn't come out in theaters even though I said it did. It actually, I think it might have debuted straight to video on demand. Riders of Justice, the Mads Mikkelsen movie, the foreign, the, the Danish movie. Uh, number five is The Little Things. Number six is Skyfire. Number, four, number seven is Four Good Days. Number eight is Minari. Number nine is Georgetown. And at number 10, people were getting ready to watch A Quiet Place Part 2 because... A Quiet Place Part 1 is at number 10. How is A Quiet Place... Oh, A Quiet Place Part 1. Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, that makes sense. A Quiet Place Part 1 was so good that I I, I think I might do the same. I'm going to rewatch A Quiet Place Part 1 to get myself hyped and prepared for A Quiet Place Part 2. Yep. All right. So, yeah, nothing, not a whole lot to say about the iTunes charge for me. I just want to say it's all mostly new stuff. A lot of new entries and a lot of old stuff just coming in there for no damn reason. So, yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm it's interesting that, like, on iTunes, as Godzilla vs. Kong is at number two, and it's still in the top five in the box office at the same time. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, we'll go ahead and move on to my recommendation. My recommendation for the week is uh, I'm on, like, a bit of a I, – I, I watched, uh, I told you guys to watch Ip Man, the series, last week on Netflix, and then I want to keep in, in the, same, uh, the same genre, and I want you guys to watch this 1970s classic starring Bruce Lee called Enter the Dragon, and it's on Ooh. Netflix. You can watch it right that now. That is a classic movie. Yes. What a good choice. So many movies have taken inspiration from it. Like, it's, you can literally watch it now and you would think it's ripping off of something that came later. That's how, that's how many times people have like, have like parodied or like referenced it. Um, by the way, the, the plot of the first Mortal Kombat game, Mortal Kombat 1, slowly based off of Enter the Dragon, by the way. Oh, wow. I never knew that. I, knew, I never, I gotta go back and play the Mortal Kombat 1 game. That's crazy. I never knew that. And so, if you actually, like, look at the character portraits of, like, Luke King and stuff like that, um, in, like, the, the arcade version, and you can see, like, the character select screen and stuff like that, in the background, you can see, like, images that are straight-up rip-offs from Enter the Dragon. Like, Damn, like dope. straight up, like you can like put them side by side together in the same picture. Obviously, one's like oh, pixelated, but whatever. Yeah, 
That's dope. So, yeah, Into the Dragon, it's, uh, I just want to give a shout out to that one scene where, like, Bruce Lee does the kick, and he's, like, and it's, and it's on his face, like, the camera zooms in on his face, and it's so intense, and uh, also a shout out to the mirror scene where he's, like, a bunch of mirrors and stuff. We've seen that scene play out on so many other movies. So many movies, like, it's crazy. Yeah. That, that, that is probably one of the most copied scenes <laughs> in cinema history. I, I seen the rock do one like those scenes before i forgot what movie it was but yeah yeah uh so yeah just just watch that movie if you haven't you owe it to yourself to to if you're a film buff watch enter the dragon um so troy try to top that one give me a recommendation well i i'm not gonna top that one but uh mine i'm gonna cheat and i'm gonna say a movie we already talked about army of the dead and mainly because it's on netflix and it's a day it's a debut on netflix and I think you should, and the re- main reason why I think everyone should get this a watch is because it really is movie theater quality. Like, if you just want to be in your home, if you got a big enough TV like Lewis, you know what I'm saying? That is a movie where you feel like you're getting a theatrical experience. You know, it uh, it's, it's like, scope in terms of scope, you can tell that it's a big budget behind it. You got big stars in it like Batista, you know what I'm saying? And, uh, and it's like a fun, it's one of those fun movies. It's like turn your brain off and just have a good time. You know what I'm saying? And uh, you could do that with that movie. And so it's, since it's a Netflix movie, that's why I uh, kind of cheating on my recommendation. <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. That's a good one. I, I, I watched it at home. It's, I have a 4k TV and it's all dope as hell on 4k and yeah. Um, yeah, it definitely sure. fills out the screen, especially cause it's not one of those like uh widescreen movies. So there's no black bar yeah. on the top and the bottom. So it definitely yeah. does feel like it's, you're filling up your whole TV screen there. Absolutely. All right. We'll go ahead and finish out the, the show here with the new releases. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. Troy, were you singing along to that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I ain't gonna lie, that shit be jamming, man. <laughs> uh, this is like the first time we've been doing the show for 20 weeks and, and we're just now jamming out to Let's Go to the Lobby. <laughs> <laughs> that shit be jamming, I ain't gonna lie. All right, uh, so you know what? We've been like, lately we've been talking about five, six releases at a time. This week, we only have three releases. Three. So we're gonna, and I'm gonna say this, quality, not quantity. All right. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Because two of these out of the three are fantastic. Bitch, all three of these. Well, all three. Yeah, no, for sure, all three. But I'm saying like two of them is like come oh, on. Oh yeah, now. you're right. You're right. You're right. Um, so uh, we're gonna start off with the headliner. I would say the pick of the week is already gonna be a Quiet Place Part Two. It's exclusively Easy. in theaters for 45 days. So go. Uh, if after I'm not gonna give you the date because I don't know how to I don't know how to do math. But you add 45 days, and that's when it's gonna be on Paramount Plus. <laughs> which i probably won't even cover i won't i won't even cover for new releases uh so following the deadly events at home the abbott family must now face the terrors of the outside world as they continue their fight for survival in silence forced to venture into the unknown they quickly realize that the creatures that hunt by sound are not the only threats that lurk beyond the sound the sand path the film stars emily blunt millicent simmons noah jupe Cillian Murphy, Jaimon Hansu, and John Krasinski. Yes. 
Yes. I don't think I have much to say other than I'm so looking forward to it. This is going to be my first time going to the movie theaters, actually. If, I, if we do impressions next week and I'm talking about it, that's how you know. I've been everything I've been watching has been at home. Oh wow, dang, that's crazy. Yeah, so they're gonna. F- yeah, but this is this is a great movie to be your first theater movie, theatrical movie you see. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, since it's not debuting on any streaming service or anything like that, so I'm gonna be forced to watch it in theaters. Um, next up is Cruella. It's coming out uh, this Friday as well in theaters, and it's gonna be at home on Disney Plus Premier Access. And this is the official, uh, the official synopsis, and I hate it. So, a live-action feature film following the evil exploits of Cruella Deville, the villain from the Disney film 101 Dalmatians. That is a shitty ass synopsis. Okay, that's especially for something that's all right. Especially for something that's such a hit. Like you know what I mean. Like like something like this is gonna be like it's a it's it's a household name in terms of everybody know about the Dalmatians. It's like why would you? Like, and the title already doesn't really explain who she is. So for people that would be excited that don't know, like, th- that wouldn't realize that off the top of the, the the title of the movie don't already don't explain it. Then in the, the synopsis, you don't even give a detailed, you know, synopsis of what the hell is going on. Yeah. So that's just bad marketing. Yeah, I, guess I was going to say, this movie is, this, the synopsis is a shitty synopsis because it's sort of just, doesn't even tell you what the movie's about. It just says, hey, you love Cruella DeVille. You love 101 Dalmatians. Now go see Cruella. You know, that's, that's yeah. literally, it, it assumes a lot from the, from the people reading it or, you know what I mean? Yeah. So I actually went ahead and did an extra little synopsis that I got from Wikipedia. So it reads... Set in the 1970s in London during the punk rock movement, the film follows Estella DeVille, an aspiring fashion designer, and explores the path that will lead her to become the notorious criminal known as Cruella DeVille. That's a synopsis right there. Right, that was a lot better. (laughs) Uh, The film stars Emma Stone, Emma Thompson, Joel Fry, Paul Walter Hauser, Emily Beecham, Kirby Howell Baptiste, and Mark Strong. Damn, that's a strong ass cast. Yeah, I only know three of them. I also I feel like I I've heard of Paul Walter Hauser by name, but you probably if you see their faces, you'll probably you've heard of more of them. Oh, okay, yeah, Emma. I know Emma Stone, Emma Thompson, and Mark Strong. Mark Strong tends to be villains and stuff, like in Sherlock and stuff. So, all right, now this is the one uh, right here. Is the tra- I told you to watch this trailer and check this out a couple of weeks ago, and I bet you didn't. But this is the Al Pacino movie that I was talking about. No, I did. I did actually. Oh, okay, okay, cool. cool it was cool. on world, it was on World Star, and I uh, <laughs> scrolled past it. Nice. Uh, it's called and, uh, uh, but, American Trader: The Trial of Axis Sally. It's coming out in theaters this Friday. It's based on a true story. American Trader: The Trial of Axis Sally follows the life of American woman Mildred Gillars, played by Meadow Williams, and her lawyer, played by Al Pacino. Al Pacino. Yeah. Ooh. Who struggles to redeem her reputation, dubbed Axis Sally, for broadcasting Nazi propaganda to American. American troops during World War II, Mildred's, Mildred's story exposes the dark underbelly of the Third Reich hate-filled propaganda machine, her, aventu- her eventual capture in Berlin, and the subsequent trial for treason against the United States after the war. The film stars Al Pacino, Meadow Williams, Swen, Tamel, Thomas uh, Kretschmann, and Mitch Pelegi from X-Files fame. So, yes. Man, you know Al Pacino's a legend for his career to still be booming at this point of his career. Uh, yeah, you know, the dude is like 80 or some shit like that. It's crazy. And based off just seeing him in the trailer, he looks like he's going to get at least nominated for an Oscar. Yeah, based I'm, on the I'm, trailer, I'm, I'm, he actually looks like he's trying. Like, you know how sometimes Al Pacino can phone it in? 
Yeah. yeah, he could phone it in, but actually, lately, he has been trying. Like, lately, he's been uh, really good in movies like The Irishman, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, the little... Uh, yeah. The, the Amazon series he was in, he was in the like horror Amazon series, and then and then in this trailer right here, he looks like he's gonna be Oscar nominated. He looks that good in it. So, I gotta say, uh, I'm excited for this. Me being a, a big Al Pacino fan. Yeah. So three quality movies to pick from. Uh, two of them are in theaters only. So I actually am gonna be watching Cruella at home as well. And uh, if I'm clutch, if I'm clutch, I'm gonna try to watch all three of these and maybe have you know uh, in, uh, uh, impressions for all three of these. But that's if I'm clutch. Yeah. And being able to pull all three of them off, but I these are three movies I want to see for sure. Yeah, so I'll be having impressions for sure for two of these, uh, which I already mentioned. So I don't think I'm really planning on watching American Trader, but you know, I, I did see the trailer; it looked interesting. So there you go. Uh, but yeah, those are going to be the new releases. And with that, let's go ahead and finish out the show. And uh, now the end is near, and so I face. The final curtain. It is time to end. Thank you so much for joining us for another episode of Ready Play Movies. Remember, you can reach the podcast by email, readyplaymovies at gmail.com, or simply at Ready Play Movies on Twitter. I'm on Twitter at Chakalaka88 and Troy. Bracy Troy 58 So don't forget to subscribe, give us a review, tell your friends about the show and all that good stuff. See you next time. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.